You are listening to Viva and Barnes Law for the People, an American and Canadian lawyer breaking down the latest in the legal world in terms everyone can understand. Enjoy the podcast. Lundi, c'est jour de vote partout au Québec. Il n'y a rien de joué. J'ai besoin de votre vote. Chaque vote va compter. J'ai une équipe qui est prête à vous servir. J'ai envie de vous servir. Si on est réélu, on va, dès le mois de décembre, vous envoyer un chèque de 4 à 600 dollars. Les personnes âgées vont recevoir un 2000 de plus. On va aussi baisser les impôts. Donc, euh, vous pouvez compter <rire> sur moi, mais je compte sur vous lundi. And everyone, everyone gets a free puppy. Everyone gets a free puppy. You get 800... Lundi, how, how do I get this? Il n'y a rien de joué. J'ai besoin de rien de jouer. Everyone is going to get four to six hundred bucks back after I get elected. If I get elected, old people, you're going to get two thousand bucks. Everyone gets a puppy and a unicorn after I get elected, not before. Uh, that's François Legault, supreme leader, sunset thief. Uh, François Legault, a man who I have um, an immeasurable amount of political disdain for. I, you all know I have some bizarre thing where like the olfactory sense is the most important sense to me. When I politically detest someone, I feel that they would smell bad if I ever saw them in person. Don't care what his, he could wear Fahrenheit. I feel that the way the Fahrenheit would interact with his skin would make me hate Fahrenheit cologne. Um, but by the way, sorry, spoiler alert, that wasn't. That was, a, that was a double fakie. That's not the intro that was going to make you barf in your mouth. That's just the intro to remind everybody it's tomorrow. Oh, geez, I don't, want to, I don't want to get the date wrong. The elections, I think it's tomorrow in Quebec. Let me, let me double check. I, I, I don't want to get, um, I don't want to be accused of Quebec election 2022. I do not want to be accused. Not sure who to vote for. 43, October 3rd. It's tomorrow. Okay, good. Tomorrow is Quebec's 43rd general election in Quebec. Good old Frank, the sunset thief, supreme leader, the man who locked us in our homes for five and a half months, shut down non-essential businesses, uh, compelled the essential businesses that remained open during COVID to section off with saran wrap non-essential items, promising Free money, that's your money that he took from you that he's going to give back to you if you vote for him. Uh, $2,000 bucks for you old folks who vote in large numbers. Um, he wants to serve you. He'll lower your taxes after he gets elected. He's had however many years to do this. No. If he gets elected, you're going to get money back, your own money. And you old people, you might get someone else's money. And uh, he's going to lower your taxes after he gets elected. The election is tomorrow. I never tell anybody who to vote for. Uh, I would just say what you're going to get if you vote. Um, for Frankie Legault, you're going to get supreme uh, dictator who thinks he can tell you where to go, who to see, when you can operate your business, what you have to put in your body, what you have to put over your face. Totally unscientific rubbish. Unconstitutional rubbish. He's running, uh, he's running, he's running for re-election. It's election day tomorrow. You vote for more of the same. You ratify all of that man's unconstitutional, unscientific, abusive conduct, or you vote for something different. Okay, that was not the intro that's going to make you puke. 
It's coming now. And by the way, yes, we are going to rumble. I'm going to give the standard disclaimer uh, about all of the disclaimers and, and whatnot. This, I'm going, to get, I'm going to get mad listening to this again. Listen to this, people. It, 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 you will not, hold on, stop. You won't believe what you're about to see. This evening, this Sunday evening's vomitous intro is brought to you courtesy of Omar Algebra, uh, Justin Trudeau's Minister of Transport. You're going to puke in your mouth when you see this. Uh, let, let me just, uh, spoiler alert, how did I describe this? It's purely psychopathic. It's, it's psychopathic. I, the only thing I regret about this tweet is that I did not put a dash in, goddamn, I should not have used the Lord's name in vain. I don't, I'm superstitious, not religious. I shouldn't have done that. Doesn't matter. Psychopathic. If I saw someone like this on the street and they interacted with me the way Omar Algebra is interacting with this uh, rebel news journalist, I would, I would be afraid for my life. I would think this person is out of their mind. I don't want to overblow it or exaggerate it. Listen to this. Conservatives brought four emotions to denounce Mr. Algebra, yesterday, conservatives brought four emotions to denounce the threatening tweets of a accredited journalist. Why did some liberals say Nate's that? How are you today? Do you not care about the safety of politicians in the House of Commons? How are you today? I'm great. How about you? Are you able to answer our question? I'm enjoying this walk. Why do you refuse to denounce I am enjoying this walk. that threaten conservative politician? Are you doing well? Are you able to answer our question or is that just not in your mandate? You know, conservatives always answer our question. Why can't you do that? I'm glad you're doing well. You're not able to, eh? I'm really happy for you. And I wish you success in your career. This is not what funny. This is not funny. science between now and in two days in terms of lifting the arrive cap? Or was it just political science? Oh, you took your glasses off. What? You took your glasses off. Yeah. That's good. So are you able to answer? You're not able. Is it intelligence or just you don't want to? <laughs> if he had just done this All from right, the beginning, question it would have been uh, better. You know, you always talk about affordability or a liberal party say they want to fight for affordability. Yet you're planning on raising the taxes and on continuing the, uh, the carbon tax. Why won't you cut the taxes? Watch this. Have a nice day. Why won't you cut a, the taxes? A, a queen's wave. He's royalty. He's royalty. The guy doesn't have to answer questions from journalists. He doesn't have to answer to the citizens. Right, sir, have a great day. Good luck with this parliamentary he gets session. To act, he gets to act like a Mr. raging Algebra, yesterday conservatives brought four. I'm saying a raging psychopath, almost humorously, but not so much. Imagine asking this guy a question. And then he answers, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you enjoying? I'm enjoying this day. It's, you know... There's a part of me that thinks that Omar Algebra thinks that this is somehow more polite than giving the finger to the journalists. I would prefer it if Omar had given the middle finger to the journalists because this is a middle finger. It's just that he thinks it's cute. He thinks it's funny. The excuse I no longer have to answer to rebel news journalists because they're not journalists is old and tired and expired. That could be any Canadian citizen. And Omar Algebra, as an elected official who represents Canadians, doesn't have the, the, the luxury of answering these questions. He has the obligation to answer these questions. But look at this pompous, arrogant, in-your-face. denounce the threatening tweets of a accredited journalist. Why did some liberals say Nate's that? 
Hey, how are you? Today? How are you today? Do you not care about the safety of politicians in the House of Commons? How are you? Today? How are you? I'm today? great. How about you? Are you able to answer our question? I'm enjoying this walk. I am enjoying this walk. There's so many things I want to say that I can't say because it would be like movie references that might be politically incorrect. This is this is unhinged. I am enjoying this walk. It's like he short circuited. It's like something in his brain just clicked. And he short-circuited. He's a, he's a robot. He got a little wire between water between the wiring. And he's just short-circuited, just like putting words together. Why do you refuse I'm to enjoying denounce this walk. journalists that threaten conservative politician? Are you doing well? You asked that you three times. Answer a question, or is that just not in your mandate? You know, conservatives always answer our question. Why can't you do that? I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're doing well. Look at that face. Like, we can do whatever we want. And we're going to get away with it. We have no accountability for what we do. And we don't have to answer to you peasants. You're not able to, huh? I'm really happy for you. And I wish you success in your career. Like, do, do, does Omar Algebra go home and say, man, I handled that really well. I'm proud of myself. I'm sure my parents would be proud of me. I'm sure my children would be proud of me. I handled that like a champ. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm really enjoying this walk. But it's, it's, this, it's this queen's wave at the end. That is the kick in the groin after the kick in the teeth. Look at it. He, he looks at the camera. Hi. Hi, Ma. Hi, Ma. Yeah. Uh, I, peasants. You are worthless peasants, and I don't have to answer to any of you. For the, uh, it, it enraged me. That, that actually made me unhappy last night, and it made it difficult for me to sleep last night. Hey, hey, how are you? Huh. Let me just see what the, Hey, I'm enjoying this walk. I mean, just don't answer the question then. Just ignore him if you, if you think that that's an appropriate thing to do. Uh, the way, the way. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Hyperinflation in Canada? Sorry, not hyperinflation, just massive inflation in Canada. Oh, yeah. well, a, a crushed economy. Oh, yeah. we, we, we lost a vaccine passport that we just rescinded because science. Uh, hi, Ma. I'm, I'm waving. Viva, the rumble stream is not working. Some video playing over and over again. Hold on. Shouldn't be. You should probably refresh it. Hold on one second. Let me see here. Live stream. Five. No, no, dude, we're, we're live. We're live and we've got almost 6,000 people watching on rumble. So refre refresh your screen because that short video that plays over and over again is the placeholder until the stream goes live. Um, so that's enraging. Omar Algebra. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying this walk. Like it's middle finger is just as rude. And at least it's honest for shame. Um, okay. Now let me just read some super chats and then we'll get into the standard disclaimers. I am sure Omar had this tactic all planned out as the best way to avoid answering questions since he cannot really answer any of them. The guy can make Santa Claus related government propaganda. Um, the guy can pretend to meet with truckers, virtue signal all he wants, answer a question. It's not a luxury. It's an obligation. I don't care that it's rebel news. I don't care if it's true North. I don't care if it's OAN. You are answering those questions, not to the journalist, but to the citizens. And you have to answer to the citizens. You don't have the right not to. Although the way these, these politicians conduct themselves, they think answering to the people they represent is purely discretionary. Consent not, consent not required. Uh, I saw some super chats, which is going to remind me of standard disclaimers, people. 
Uh, no legal advice, no medical advice, no election fortification advice. We will be taking the stream over to Rumble uh, exclusively. Uh, I'd say at about the 30 or 40 minute mark, depending on when, you know, when's a good time to cut into it. Um, what else? Rumble has these things called Rumble Rants. They're like super chats. Rumble takes 20%, so better for the platform, better for the creator. Uh, best place to support Robert Barnes and myself, if you like the work that we do, is vivabarneslaw.locals.com. If for whatever the reason you don't like Robert, you're wrong and you should like Robert. Um, the, 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 there's YouTube memberships, but really, vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Like our Substack if you want to support the channel. What we do, that's the best place. Like five bucks a month and 50 bucks a year if you get a year at one time. Tons of exclusive stuff. Tons of uh, uh, locals, exclusive streams, v Barnes stuff. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Okay, now, because I do streams every day, but I forget that Sunday night is the big night and a lot of people don't watch the daily streams, I take for granted everybody knows how we fared during Hurricane Ian. Uh, Tcraft5604 says... How did you guys fare during Hurricane Ian? Loved your cameo in Cast Castle. Couldn't stop Cast Castle on uh, Tim Cast. I did a, a funny cameo, I think. Um, so first things first, we, you know, but for the grace of God, uh, the hurricane went around to the west and then made landfall to the northwest. Uh, I mean, literally, like just you know, that's how that's how the, the the breeze was blowing that day around and made landfall at Fort Myer. Tallahassee, who did not fare so well. Uh, we, we were fine here. We had a, a tornado warning at 545, uh, 5.15 in the morning, Thursday morning, I think. Scared the, scared the bejesus out of everybody in the family. But other than that, we did well in that we survived and had minimal damage. We had no damage here, but elsewhere there was some minimal damage. But up north, the, uh, northwest, they did not fare so well. Uh, there is a fund that has been set up to help for anybody who's inclined to do it. And let me just... Get, let me just get it. It's called the Florida Son of a Gun. I'll, 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 I'll share the link. Uh, I donated last week. Our kids and the local community kids today did a fundraiser selling lemonade and slime on the street today. And we raised $770. And nobody took the slime. Like you got parents out there. By the way, this is a great tactic, parents. Sell slime. You will get parents to give you money and demand not to take the slime because any parent out there knows Slime is the biggest pain in the neck on earth. That is not a beer. That is pineapple something or other. So, you know, as luck would have it, we did fine. We're trying to see what we can do to help the people up north. I was going to drive supplies up or do whatever I could. But then uh, I had a discussion with someone who said, don't go unless you're, unless you're packing heat. And I said, look, if, if that's the criteria for going somewhere, I'm going to stay back and do things a, a different way. Um, let me see what you got here. Show me the candy before I get into the van. I'm no dummy. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that is, but that's fun. Uh, a blessed good evening. All about the money in regards to the tyrannical lifting of the COVID border travel. Let's not forget that the Blue Jays are in the MLB playoffs as well. JRC. Not unreasonable. Not an unreasonable thought. And we had a rumble rant, a $20 rumble rant, which says, Viva Fry, retainer for advising on a pro se insurance car accident case. Robert Barnes, retainer for representing a want-to-be pro se car accident cause. I'll, I'll screen grab. I, I, yeah. PayPal going woke. Dude, we're going to talk about this tonight because I, I'm, I'm, I am one word from Barnes away from canceling my PayPal account. Viva PayPal woke, censoring, banning people, five plus years, Infowars banned. Not, we're going to talk about it, but 
on the menu tonight, PayPal going woke. Uh, I'm going to ask Robert about the Nord Stream sabotage. See what he thinks. I think I know what he thinks, but I don't know what he thinks yet because I didn't catch him on the, the Duran last week. Um, uh, just a ton of other stuff. U- U- Uvalde lawsuit. Um, uh, there's, too, there's too much, but I see Barnes in the backdrop. So let us go. Now, everybody should, you know, I know some people are still a little unhappy with some of the features on Rumble. They're doing their best to fix everything ASAP. Check your mic. It has an echo. I did clean up my office. And so there will be more echo tonight because we took out the um, hide-a-bed that my mother-in-law slept in. So there, there's a little more echo. Uh, so we might have to deal with that until I find something to pad the room with other than padding. Okay, Robert, coming into the stream. Sir, how goes the battle? Good, good. Uh, PayPal banned sales of guns and ammo. We're, we're going to get there. Robert, uh, Give First of all, book Cigar, because that's a new book behind you. Yeah, it's a book called uh, Smart Money, Michael Koenig. A uh, true story of him working for Billy Walters, a legendary sports gambler here in Las Vegas. Somebody who ended up being commuted by Trump uh, on some questionable criminal charges brought by Preet Bharara of the uh, New York under the Obama administration. But it's his uh, story about the when he was working for Billy Walters delivering sports bets around Las Vegas. It's a fun little story, well told. People might recognize Michael Koenig. He often is a uh, journalist covering or commentator covering a world poker tour uh, amongst uh, other subjects. Oh, and the cigar is the wise man. Oh, yeah, the wise man. (laughs) Well, very fitting, Robert. Now, I didn't get into everything that we have on the menu. Uh, oh yeah, we have the Floyd. Uh, we have, I'm about to say Floyd Abrams. <laughs> we have Stacey Abrams' lawsuit losing in the state of Georgia's election reform upheld, even by an Obama judge, because the evidence was that poor as it turned out for her case. We got PayPal's new woke rules that go into place in November on election day. We have uh, is Russia's annexation uh, legal or illegal, uh, and what does the president of Yugoslavia have and the United States' own position on it? Uh, and International Court of Justice have to say about that as a matter of international law. Uh, we got California passing every crazy law known to man. No autopsies on people whacking babies. Uh, we have uh, if you're if you're trans, we'll maybe help kidnap your kid and won't recognize custody orders from other states. Won't recognize subpoenas from other states. Won't recognize extradition warrants from other states if what you're doing is getting medical intervention uh, in kids' care. Uh, we have the eBay executives who are caught stalking, cyber stalking, and harassing people who are critis- a couple of bloggers who that's, are critical. That story, that story is unbelievable, Robert. I, I, it's unbelievable. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we got monster it. got a monster verdict, almost three hundred million dollars against an energy com- company competitor. Uh, we got a new antitrust law passed the House of Representatives, but Jim Jordan's doing everything he can while he continues to pip himself out for big tech. Not the good side of Jim Jordan, sadly. Student loan lawsuits that were so impactful, the Biden administration had to reverse course in part, but not fully. And where the question is whether those lawsuits will survive those changes. Uh, we got bar exam changes. We got a $48 million COVID insurance verdict. We got how, how to search a hotel room and get away with it by the police, according to the Fifth Circuit. We got the uh, Facebook spying on your passwords that you enter in to access your websites and everything else you do in secret. Uh, we got a big Uvalde lawsuit. One part I, I'm sympathetic with challenging the school. Very interesting what they were talking about. Certain things about locked doors might relate to a certain case in Connecticut that is not being talked about uh, or the issue not being talked about, but also going after gun companies, of course. 
Uh, we uh, got the lockbox raid that a federal court found reasons to excuse all the Fed's bad acts on it. And we got Andrea Bocelli in an, what is what is an unacceptable G4. Uh, and uh, we found out, apparently, according to Andrea Bocelli's lawsuit. Robert, let, let's start with uh, let's start with Russia, Ukraine. But before we get into the substance of the, you know, the, the referendum, whether or not it's recognized by international law, despite what other leaders are vowing to never recognize as the results of a vote, um, the sabotage on the Nord Stream pipeline. What is your best theory? People out there are saying Russia did it, which it makes, unless I'm wrong, Robert, it makes absolutely no sense in any realm of reality, 4D, 5D, false flag, for Russia to give up their biggest negotiating tool against Europe. Uh, what do you say to the people who say Russia did it and who do you think did it, uh, <laughs> despite the fact that they basically announced in advance what they were going to do between Newland and Biden, who do you think did it? And what do you say to the Russia did it folk? Well, if you're you know, looking up a culprit list, uh, first of all, the nature of the sabotage is very difficult to do. So uh, it's very unlikely for it to be private actors, uh, very unlikely for it to be an accident. There was some speculation that it could be an accident, um, but most reports concluded that it was not likely an accident. Uh, and most reports concluded it was not likely capable to that that level of sabotage to be performed by private actors. And then actually only a few militaries in the world have the kind of uh, capability and capacity to do it. So you start with likely a uh, suspect would be a government uh, and a gut and one of a very small hand you know, on your hand, the number of governments who could pull it off. So then you go to uh, who had voiced opposition to Nord Stream 2. Well, one government more than any other, the United States government, uh, obsessively had voiced op uh, opposition to Nord Stream 2. And as you note, both Biden and Victoria Nuland had been publicly promising, often with a smirk on Biden's face, that one way or the no another, he would stop Nord Stream 2. And even when asked, how would you stop it when you don't control it? And it's between Germany and Russia. He I just smirked. You. Yeah, I promise you. And then he smirked. Uh, so in terms of motivation, your first suspect would be the United States. In terms of means, the most likely suspect would be the United States. And then in terms of who benefits, most likely suspect would be the United States. What this does is strip Russia of its leverage and forfeits uh, Germany's ability to uh, back out of the uh, sanctions nightmare they've walked themselves into, um, where, you know, they're talking about, you know, handing out people blankets so they can stay warm in the winter and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, don't take hot showers. I mean, they're going to stink if they're in Germany, man. They're going to smell bad. The uh, uh, But, you know, that that's just where that's going. So everything points to the United States. Then you have reports that there was U.S. operations in the area, trying, you know, mapping out underground, uh, underwater uh, aspects, testing out underwater drones right next to where this happened just a few a, month, a few months ago. You have this being controlled with the location of where the sabotage took place by uh, U.S. military in substantial part. Uh, so uh, it, it's uh, there's a, no reason to believe Russia would sabotage itself in this manner. Every reason to believe the United States is the most likely suspect. And the United States denials haven't been overwhelmingly powerful. They, they've been a little bit weak. So I think everybody in the world knows this was a United States military operation. The uh, Everybody will live in, you know, the me American media and others will you know, live in self-delusion. 
I think kind of like the election fornication that took place. There was a Polish ex-defense secretary that publicly thanked the United States when this happened. He is married into uh, powerful State Department families here in the United States, and he only took it down later. Uh, I think it's because there's a lot of people on that side of the aisles. Amanda Milius, who we interviewed, uh, Darren Beatty, who we interviewed, Darren Beatty, editor now of Revolver, Amanda Milius, daughter of John Milius, director of the documentary Plot Against the President, has a documentary coming out on John McAfee, not long, another good set of documentaries. We met her at the Project Veritas party in Florida, sweetheart. Uh, She said that when she was at the State Department, everybody there was obsessed with stopping Nord Stream 2. So uh, you you have to be in complete denial not to realize the U.S. government went in and did the one of the biggest acts of civilian uh, terrorism uh, for military purposes uh, in a country we're not at war with in recent modern post-World War II history. That's what the Biden administration is up to and willing to risk apparently nuclear war to get there. Uh, I'm going to pull up one thing. I, I was trying to find an, uh, the clean video, but I'll, I'll, I can only find my edited video. Listen to this. For anybody who thinks to the hands of Russians, listen to this. Listen to this. Um, with regard this to is Victoria Newland. Uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. I want to be clear with you today. What happens after people say, I want to be clear? I'll be quiet. You comes out of their mouth. Go. If Russia invades Ukraine one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move Hmm. forward. Let's go to to Biden. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the the border of Ukraine. It happens. Again, then uh, there will be, uh, there will be no longer Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring it into it. How do you do that? It's, it's between but Russia and Germany. You, how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Robert. Yeah, that's where he does the smirk. And it's, apparently, according to German Republic uh, published reporting, the CIA tipped off the Germans that this would happen in the summer. They said they just said somebody is going to be attacking Nord Stream one and two soon, so you could guess that that you know that they were they probably considered that consent. They were testing out how much German opposition there would be, and there wasn't much. Uh, it's kind of pitiful for Europe. We just smack them around, and they just got cower in, in response. But the uh, but yeah, there's no question the Biden administration is culpable of it. Now, in my view, this is an impeachable offense. Uh, if Republicans seize the House in the uh, after the midterms, which I think they will, but whether or not they'll add this to the litany of impeachable offenses that Biden is mounting up in record time is an open question. And now I want to bring this up because a lot of people bring this point up. Moot point: It wasn't going to be used. Wasn't going to be used versus cannot now be used are two very different things. Yeah. It was. It was a political bargaining chip when it was functional when it could be rendered functional now it's no longer a bargaining chip for russia so they've lost a a very meaningful aspect of negotiation but robert also how does it how does it get sabotaged like this is it a depth charge are they are they dragging something over to break oh we don't we don't know the means but it needs somebody that has military capability that kind of level of sabotage so uh i was on the duran last week with uh the two alex Alex is talking about this in a wide range of foreign geopolitical issues for about two hours or so. People can go back and find that. We discussed this as well. 
But uh, both people of our, our locals board, bebobarneslaw.locals.com, best board in America. The uh, uh, brought up, you know, their mili- some people that had military training. Some other people emailed me as well and explained uh, how this could be done and why we were likely responsible because some of them were in the very units that had trained to do precisely this kind of activity. So part of its diving skills, they may have incorporated drones. There was a 17, 18 hour gap between the two explosions, one hitting the other. Um, it's an environmental catastrophe, potentially. It's interesting. But the mainstream media is not talking about much of that. And the uh, European Union is going to blame Russia, just like the Donbass was shelling itself. Russia was attacking its own, was shelling its own, uh, or uh, the nuclear power plant that was under control over. Now Russia is blowing up its own pipelines and destroying its own leverage. Seeing how much dumb stuff you can get American people and the people in the West to believe. Sadly, many are still gullible. So this brings us to the actual legal question now. Um, Russia held a referendum in the eastern provinces, I, I think the Donbass region. Yeah, uh, Donbass, as- uh, Kherson, and Zaporizhia, which are Luhansk and uh, Donetsk. And that is to, to, whether or not they would like to join Russia, or was it separate from Ukraine, become independent, or join it was, Russia? It was kind of both. It was declare their independence from Ukraine and ask that they uh, that Russia recognize them and join them in. It was almost identical to the Yugoslavian. Putin is deliberately using the Yugoslavian example. And I mean, that's where the the legal question comes in. The the, the vote, by the way, these elections can be challenged because it's Putin. No other elections can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I heard, you know, a lot of people had doubts about how this election was conducted. Now, the election had a bunch of international observers. And then afterwards, the EU started threatening anybody who participated in simply being an, an election observer to see whether the elections were done in an honest and accurate manner. Um, there's nobody really disputes the election results. Now, I think that the people that did not vote were mostly no votes. So like in the Harrison region, I think that would have been much closer had everybody voted, but Ukraine told people not to vote or they would consider them criminals if they retook the property and locked them up. I mean, Ukraine was guaranteeing that this vote would go a certain way and guaranteeing intensifying opposition to Ukraine within those regions. It was a very peculiar action for someone that purports to claim this population as their own. Very unusual. But the so it's pretty much identical to the uh, international legal precedent set at the behest of the United States and the West uh, that ultimately reached ahead with the International Court of Justice in the Kosovo case. But its, its forebears were Croatia, uh, the whole breakup of Yugoslavia, which Kosovo was part of too, which included Croatia, included Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, it also included other neighboring regions like Slovenia, the split between the Czech Republic and Slovakia, all of the sort of post-Soviet breakups. There was a certain legal pattern we recognized as legitimate under international law. We successfully argued to the International Court of Justice that Kosovo's declaration of unilateral declaration of independence was not illegal at all. And and whether there's subsequent and that uh, whether there's an independent part of a state is simply a internal state issue, and that somehow, despite many years of U.S. formal legal promises to recognize territorial integrity, our, the United States government, uh, maybe I'll post the the extended brief the U.S. government wrote to the International Court of Justice in ni- in uh, 2009, penned by the W administration, reinforced by Obama, so it crossed political lines here. Uh, which said that, no, uh, respecting boundaries doesn't actually mean respecting boundaries. 
So the uh, and International Court of Justice said yes. They said that you can declare independence. That's a matter of internal dissent. You can create your own government. You can form another government. You can join another government. And that all that's completely legal. And one of their premises was, as long as there's some kind of referendum involved, that really makes it legal. <laughs> um, and so that's exactly what Russia did. They took the precedent. Now, they argued against everything that took place at the time, by the way, especially at Kosovo. Uh, but they lost those arguments before the court. And they're like, fine, we'll use your standards and borrow them and imitate them. So under our own standards that we've set, we can't make any legal complaint under international law against Russia's actions. And, and I'll bring up, uh, let me bring up a tweet from uh, Justin Trudeau. This question is particularly funny in the context of Canada, where Quebec once, you know, twice held a vote to separate a referendum. Uh, Trudeau, the man himself who respects peaceful protests and women's rights, when it comes to recognizing this, says Canada condemns Putin's latest comments about Russia's referendums. The outcome of these referendums are not legitimate, and Canada does not and will not ever recognize them. I repeat, Ukraine's territory will remain Ukraine's. And basically take that same language and you could apply it to Kosovo, to Croatia, to Slovenia, to Slovakia, to uh, Bosnia, to Kosovo, uh, to, to all those places. And Canada took the exact opposite position. They, uh, they didn't say we will always recognize the territory of Yugoslavia. Just the opposite. Uh, so ran to encourage it, incentivize it, reward it, support it, recognize it and then put military bases there. So uh, Putin is just replicating our own precedents. From an international legal basis, there's no grounds to critique Russia's annexation of those regions after the referendums that took place. You know, uh, Now, I'm not a fan of this way of changing alliances, but there are two counterpoints in the American tradition. Uh, one is, of course, the American Revolution itself. We declared a right to declare our independence. And and uh, and found that that was a legitimate grounds to separate from another government and and so forth. Even more analogous is Texas, probably the closest historical and analog in American history to Ukraine and Russia is Texas. A bunch of Americans populated Texas while it was under the domain of Mexico. Uh, the Americans decided they weren't being treated well by the Mexican government. And so we supported their unilateral declaration of independence. Hence, remember the Alamo. We have a memorial to it. That's why I get a kick out of America. Say, oh, this is outrageous. You could never do this. It's like, I, I, I guess you think we should not remember the Alamo then, right? Uh, they're unaware of their own history or unaware of its uh, clear analogy. And then, of course, we invaded to protect the Americans in Texas and then declared its independence. So Putin, what Putin is doing in southern Ukraine is not only identical international legal standards to the precedent we helped create in Yugoslavia, it's identical to how America got founded and how Texas even exists as part of America. Uh, Robert, I mean, the vote, 95%. I just get... In the Donbass. And then it's like 87. And then, But if you include the non-voters, like there were 30% in the Harrison region that didn't vote. You could fairly infer those were mostly no votes. Um, so my get... And that what it is, that's consistent as Richard Barris, people's pundit, put out. You could have guessed this. You could have forecast this vote if you knew what the 1926 census was. <laughs> that, because it's the same Russian area dominate populations of that region. Russian ancestry, Russian tradition, Russian language, Russian culture, Russian allegiances, Russian economic alliances, you name it. it it's most intense in the Donbass, uh, the Donetsk and Lohansk provinces. But 
They don't occupy all of the Japarizhi, I think that's how you say it, uh, or, or the Harrison region. As part of those still occupied by Ukraine. The parts that they occupied were disproportionately more Russian. And now Harrison, in, on a, in a vote where people felt comfortable voting no, uh, would have been probably 60-40 is probably where it would have been. But, but everybody knew Patrick Lancaster covered a lot of this on the ground, talked to people in all the different regions. International observers were present. A lot of the myths being propagated out there that people were forced to the vote with guns on them and all this gibberish is just nonsense. It's more bad propaganda from the West. Uh, but what it reflects is Ukraine deliberately forced that population not to participate by what they said. If you were pro-Ukraine, you couldn't vote. So that always made sure that the vote would have a certain outcome. And then the uh, second aspect is there has been migration uh, since the war. My guess is that, and this was in the Patrick Lancaster reports, people that were pro-Ukrainian have left some of these regions since Russia's occupied them. And people that are pro-Russian have come into these regions since Russia occupied them. So that's where like Kherson was like a 50-50 split, slightly pro-Russian in past elections. Again, going all back to even the census of 1920s. The rest of the region, the Donbass was like 95% for breaking off way back in 2014. So everybody knew which way that was going to go. And certain parts of those uh, attendant regions were the same Zaporizhny region. Kherson is the one that, if it hadn't been occupied, would have been a very close vote. Someone in, uh, in Rumble on a Rumble rant, Mannix37 says, how can these elections be held in areas not occupied by Russia? I mean, I think that's definitional. A referendum will not be held in an area that is um, part of Russia. Because right. I mean, Ukraine, obviously. Well, I mean, they did hold referendums in the early 90s on these things. And a lot of these same regions wanted, didn't want to separate from, so, uh, from Russia. And then the Ukrainian government just ignored these. <laughs> so a lot of these populations have voted in the past. The Ukrainian government has just refused to recognize the referendums. In the early 90s, they refused to do so. They refused to recognize the 2004 election that they didn't go their way. So they had their first orange color revolution. Didn't like it when it went that same way in 2010 and ultimately had the Maidan coup. Uh, when they had the same referendums in 2014 in response to the Maidan coup, they didn't recognize them again. So these populations have been voting, especially in the Donbass, over and over again to get out of Ukraine. Uh, and the Ukrainian government has just refused to recognize them. And um, what of uh, Ukraine's now, uh, I, I don't know, new application for NATO recognition? Is, is there not a policy? It that was they, already rejected. It was OK. And there is there not a it policy? Was just, that, it was political theater. Um, you know, the Zelensky still playing tough guy. It was funny. He went out with one of those uh, press conferences and the two people next to him actually have normal, uh, normal height. So uh, he makes you look like Goliath, Eva. That, that, that's I, how big it is. Robert, I think he's still taller than me. Not, not that it, not no, that it I doubt it. I doubt it. But the, uh, uh, he said he'll never talk to Putin, you know, that sort of thing. Russia, Putin gave a pretty prominent speech that was followed by a lot of people. I put it up uh, as part of the Barnes brief at vivabarnsloft.locals.com, a summary of it and a link to the whole thing. Pretty extraordinary speech. Whatever you think of it, it's going to be a very memorable speech in time. Uh, it will be one of those top 10 speeches in the last 20 years, maybe even longer time frame because of how seminal it is about the change and shift of the, where the world is going and especially where Russia is going within it. But they made clear they're never giving back this land. So the only question now is whether Ukraine settles. Uh, they won't, even though Kissinger is saying they should uh, because he can see the writing on the wall like anybody else. Um, and, you know, they took back this abandoned town called Liman. Uh, the, uh, that had like 500 people in it. All they wanted to do was hold up the Ukrainians for a while while they re, uh, buttress their troops elsewhere. 
and the Ukrainians were acting like it was the, you know, the, the, the taking of the hill or something. Uh, it, it, they don't, they're not going to win. It's that simple. Uh, the, their efforts have been mostly unsuccessful and Russia is going to, has now called up another 300,000 troops now has legally, they, the big change for Russia is internal legally. Uh, they now consider any attack on these regions, a, an attack on Russia. So they will label it a counterterrorism action or even a state of war, which frees them up legally. They will probably start to target civilian infrastructure in, uh, electricity, anything that helps the military at all, uh, what we call dual use infrastructure. So we consider it free reign from the get go. But Russia has, is more restrained than we have been uh, historically. And so the uh, uh, and so, the, you know, Ukraine's in for a lot of trouble, despite us sending billions of dollars more over there. Uh, I don't see their ability to catch up to where the Russians are. They're trying to occupy regions that don't, clearly don't want to be part of Ukraine anymore. Uh, so probably never did in truth. So uh, that have returned in their view to their homeland. There's not much hope for success, but that won't stop us for spending lots of money. Colonel McGregor was talking about sources close to Zelensky talking about building a dirty bomb uh, to set off someplace. I mean, these people are insane, uh, but you know, the Biden administration is equally insane. So we'll see what happens, but the, the legally, from Russia's perspective, it will only get much more aggressive now uh, in the conflict. Uh, and uh, the interwebs say that Zelensky is 5'7", which is one and a half inches taller than me. I All bet right. he's 5'3". You should see him next to these normal-looking people. <laughs> normal. I bet he's 5'1". I'm going to no, say 5'1". No, if, normal, if normal in Russia or in Ukraine is normal in the States, you set me up against anybody normal in the States. I'm a foot shorter to everyone. He looks two feet shorter. Maybe he's four five or foot five. Hey, it doesn't matter. People, we're going over to Rumble now. Here's the link one more time. Uh, and we're going to start with, I think we'll start with the woke PayPal policy. When we go over to Rumble, as I turn down the stream in YouTube in three, two, one. Robert, I think we're alone now. On Rumble. And when it's done processing, I'm going to go put the link up in the pinned comment there as well. Okay, Robert, what is going on with PayPal? They're going to change their terms of service or amend them. I, I didn't realize that these terms of service were even in there in the first place. But now it's going to allow for, it sounds like, unilateral, arbitrary. And I'll say arbitrary because it seems that the only people who have the discretion to determine whether or not they charge you a, a liquidated damages penalty of $2,500 and debit it from your account is PayPal itself. They now have, what's it called? Uh, not a fair use, but rather, um, oh, the terminology for what they want to uh, apply this to as a policy. Things you can't say. Acceptable use. Acceptable use. Uh, t tell us what's going on. And t I mean, I'll ask the question. How is this even potentially legal that they have access to your bank accounts because that's how they put money in and take money out, that they can say unilaterally, if you continue to use our service, you allow us to unilaterally, arbitrarily, and I'll even dare say capriciously decide if you're in violation, at which point we get to debit $2,500 from your account. How does it work? Yeah, per incident. So these are rules that go into place November 3rd. And uh, if you use PayPal for activities that involve objectionable messages, misinformation, user that affect user well-being, that uh, uh, or that 
are unfit for publication. And, and you simply send, speak, communicate, publish, broadcast such messages. The language is so broad, it's not clear they're even limiting it to the use of PayPal. And they're saying, do you use PayPal? Okay. Well, we're going to regulate your personal behavior. I mean, th that's what it sounds like. They don't limit themselves with these broad, like, involve. What does that mean? Use PayPal for activity. What does that mean? So they're essentially creating themselves uh, to where $2,500 per incident they get to deduct from your account or charge to your account. $2,500 each time you say something that they consider unilaterally in their sole discretion, according to these new rule changes come November 3rd, uh, is uh, is misinformation, is affect somebody else's well-being. Uh, I mean, I mean, this would uh, you this is basically woke rules to not only strip people and cancel people of the ability to use PayPal, but to actually sanction them and fine them and penalize them. Twenty five hundred dollars a pop for each time they say something PayPal doesn't like. Now, Robert, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, these terms were already in there to some extent, but are getting broader. Well, look, not this woke provision. So they used to have five provisions. Now they have on their, their acceptable use policy. Now they have six. They And the new one is this huge misinformation, user content, user well-being, uh, you know, saying things that may offend people. They expand protected status to include sexual orientation and gender identity when it, that is not universally protected status. So, I mean, they, they go uh, and basically just say, I mean, when they say in our discretion, we consider it unfit for publication. When we consider it in our discretion, misinformation. When we consider it in our uh, discretion to to uh, be upsetting to someone uh, concerning their their well-being. I mean, I mean, that's it. The, the restrictions on harassment law are not play and not there. The restrictions on stalking law are not there. The restrictions that it be connected to an actual individual are not there. The restrictions that can uh, connected to in illicit incitement of illicit conduct is not there. None of those are there. This is a wholesale. If you say something we don't like and you use PayPal, you now owe PayPal twenty five hundred dollars for each time you said it. In Quebec, I, I don't think it applies exactly to this uh, this situation, but there is a preclusion or a prohibition on what we call the condition de clause purement potestative. So, like purely discretionary uh, provisions of a contract are are generally deemed to be inapplicable, unenforceable. Like it happens when I say it happens, uh, when I so choose. These th this provision, first of all, people would be shocked to realize that it existed up until now, but you know, for, for doing illegal activities, use PayPal to sell drugs and they can, they can penalize you $2,500 per infraction. I was surprised to find out that that was already there in the first place, but these types of purely discretionary clauses, are they generally deemed to be enforceable or unenforceable under United States law? Oh, enforceable. Very rarely are they unenforceable. Um, so, and, and there's no current law that really limits PayPal from doing this. What it really shows is the need for states to look at the Texas example for governing big tech, which said if you own more than 50% of the market share of a particular area uh, that people commonly use and need to use for their everyday activities, then you cannot have viewpoint-based discrimination. And these same provisions need to be applied to the financial services realm, to banks uh, and to PayPal, uh, because what PayPal is doing is overtly, openly, weaponizing 
access to the financial system and financial services based on you conforming to certain political beliefs. It is effectively a China-style social credit system being imposed on Americans. Robert, what I mean, it's in a similar vein, uh, we're hearing about the Fed imposing a, um, what's the word? Uh, a trial ESG uh, financial credit system. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, and that, and they're looking at, of course, a digital currency system. And so both of those are meant to create the means by which the government, now the Fed is limited by the First Amendment, depending on how they act. And so that would be a restraint on them. We have an outstanding, George Gammon uh, and I have an outstanding for Freedom of Information Act request for certain information related to this that the Fed is stonewalling on that will probably lead to litigation this fall concerning. Uh, but uh, it, it's part of a broader pattern. I, I have a lawsuit in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, that concerns the uh, uh, a prominent bank, U.S. bank in this instance, uh, targeting someone for their political beliefs and discriminating against them in a whole bunch of transactions that involved eight-figure, nine-figure transactions. So, I mean, they're, if they're willing to do it to somebody that they have a 20-year successful relationship with, uh, who's putting up businesses that help uh, poor populations, impoverished areas develop and get jobs, then you know they'll do it to everybody else. They've already been doing it to gun companies. They've already been doing it on environmental grounds. ESG is a disguised mechanism for a social credit score to be superimposed on stocks, corporate executives, and increasingly it will be applied in the financial services realm. And that's uh, the Republicans need to wake up and reform legislation to make sure that financial, if anything's a common carrier access kind of duty, financial services arguably is more of a common carrier than electricity, than phones, than water, a bunch of other things, because they're as essential to everyday life. Well, it's not just that. You, you can't pay for water. You can't pay for electricity right. if you don't have access to financials. Um 218 Frederick, as a Rumble Rant, says, enjoying the show Rumble On. And Find and Truth says, TimCast.com now uses Parallel Economy as its payment provider. Worthwhile to check it out. Robert, this would be one of those every fear hides a wish. Uh, I, would, I, don't, I wouldn't want PayPal to do this, to debit $2,500 from my bank account because they have access to it because I gave them access to it so they can put money in, not capriciously take money out of it. Are, are, will they face a lawsuit or is this going to be one of those legitimate things? If you continue using the platform, you've tacitly uh, consented to this. That's how most courts will see it, sadly. Oh, don't say, okay. Now, Fair Frozen 55 says, don't trust PayPal, PayPal asshole. <laughs> okay. They didn't spell that one the way the, the meme is spelled, but yeah, I might, I might have to. I'm, I'm trying to think of what practical use I still have for PayPal, but that's, that's uh, outrageous. Um, all right. Well, I guess a good segue for big tech behaving badly. Robert, uh, what, not Amazon, eBay. Facebook. It was no, no. Which one? Which one was uh, where the, they had a team of stalkers to go harass? Oh, that's eBay. That's eBay, Dude, Robert. I don't understand how this happens. How people think they, like this gets sanctioned at the highest levels of a, a multi-billion-dollar international corporation, eBay. For those who don't know, and I didn't know until Robert sent me the link. Uh, what was it? Seven employees of eBay uh, were uh, either arrested or actually uh, convicted. Did, did two of them get I mean, convicted? yes, some were charged, some weren't charged. A bunch of uh, some pled guilty, some were convicted, but it involved their highest, some of their highest ranking executives and 
the head of their security division. They, so for the 30,000 foot overview, we can get into a little bit of detail. They decided to go after two internet bloggers who were posting negative reviews, I guess, of product or protocol of, of eBay. Uh, I guess they had enough traction and enough influence that it was, it was impacting or causing a ripple effect onto eBay. They actually, within eBay, internally discussed, what do we do? And they basically said, go after them. They uh, had, tar- I mean, targeted criminal harassment, doxing, sending them packages of like, what did they, was it bloodied pig's head, cockroaches, um, vandalizing their cars, that like straight up uh, Cape Fear level harassment that was sanctioned, like authorized, approved, by exec- at least one executive of... Uh, of uh, uh, it appears multiple executive, and most importantly, the head of the security division. And they were bragging about this internally. I mean, bloody pig mask, spiders, cockroaches, bogus pizza orders, funeral wreaths, funeral wreaths being sent, <laughs> trespass, vandalism, plans to break in and plant GPS devices on their cars. Uh, I mean, y- you name it. I mean, it was classic cyber stalking behavior. Then there was witness because for those people that don't know, there is both state and federal criminal laws that prohibit using the electronic system to stalk and harass people. I remember people being surprised when we were designing the rumble rules and I was explaining, you know, you can't actually stalk and harass people, but there's specific limitations on what that means. That can't be as vague as what PayPal calls it. it can't be just dissident speech. It has to be something that is intended to intimidate, injure, or harass as measured by an intention to and the effect of causing someone to fear for their well-being, not just ordinary well-being, but fear for their lives, fear for their physical safety, that they will suffer severe emotional distress. So that these have always been the restrictions. There's always been laws on the books prohibiting stalking and harassment. And some of them were too vague and were struck down on First Amendment grounds. But most have these clear where what you're doing is trying to make somebody's life miserable that you have no lawful justification for. That's what they did. They, and the media has mostly not covered the scale of this. This involves some high ranking and some of the executives managed to dodge uh, responsibility, got sweet parachute deal, golden parachute deal. $57 million to one of the executives who then got hired at what was like a big brother, big sister type organization. Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. By the Boy Scouts. <laughs> and they knew about it. They knew this guy was a complicit in this. I mean, uh, uh, or at least uh, accused of it. And so you have, but the fact that they felt, what does it tell you about the security division of these big companies that they thought this was naturally part of their job to intimidate, harass, spy, surveil, uh, make people live in fear of their lives, their well-being, their future. Uh, it really tells you something about how these big companies operate, but probably not nearly as good as the FBI case the media ain't talking about. Uh, go, well, which one are we talking about now? So that's in L.A. So in L.A., a high-ranking National Security Division FBI agent is on trial in a case that even large publications in L.A. haven't been covering. And people think that, you know, I do a lot of hush-hushes at fevabarnslaw.locals.com. Have one up right now on Bill Barr. Have another one up on MK Ultra. Uh, and people think, man, those are crazy alternative theories. No way any of that stuff can be true. And I use James Elroy's books, American Tabloid, the American Tabloid Trilogy, the Cold 6,000, Bloods Are Over, to say this is a model and these are who these people are. Well, all you need to do is sit in on this trial and you can see I understated it. So this is a guy who, FBI agent, while he was a national security agent, 
for the FBI, which means he's one of the high, he's part of the deep state. That's the deep state division currently harassing Trump. Same group of people. This guy is on trial because he was caught in a massive scale corruption. And to give you an idea, this guy's walking around like Alder James, uh, walking around. He has Rolex watches, Gucci belts, driving fancy luxury vehicles, has a Ducati motorcycle, which he said, probably forgot that he had been given by the uh, person he was wired into the Armenian mob, was feeding intel and information to the Armenian mob. And not only that, there was a fake lawyer. Like, one of these people took a, one of the people associated with him took the law test for somebody else who could never pass the bar exam, but in that guy's name. So that guy got a bar license when he was never even the guy that applied or took the test. They have a law firm where all the money was being laundered. The lawyers have been taking the fifth. What's interesting about this law firm? Guess who it's one of the biggest key donors for? It is one of the biggest Democratic law firms in the country. They have long, extensive conversations with Gavin Newsom uh, that they talk about in these texts. Somehow the prosecutors are avoiding what those conversations were about. Uh, Big Hillary Clinton backers, big Barack Obama backers, but especially part of the Clinton groups. So this is the Clinton, Gavin Newsom, uh, mob-based, mob-fronted, FBI uh, or, or orchestrated. This involved a border of Homeland Security agent, a border agent, a local sheriff. You're talking about every level of law enforcement, every level of political protection racket for an Armenian mobster with this. And the, 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 the Fed was living high on the hog. I mean, they were taking limos uh, with hookers to Vegas. They were doing Vegas party houses. They were doing coke all over the place. The guy's partying like a madman, living on a, had a vacation house in Lake Tahoe. How does an FBI agent have a vacation house at Lake Tahoe? And yet they it, they only did this because the Armenian guy got caught. And so he figured, I'm going to rat out everybody. And so he rats out everybody. But then you hear these stories and the media is trying to suppress it as much as possible because it implicates Democrats. And not only that, it even involves like sexual cults. Uh, you know, it involves this polygamous cult that was running a biofuel scheme out of Utah and Idaho. I mean, it's like, wow. It's like all of my hush-hushes combined in one trial. Robert, is the, uh, is the Armenian leaker, uh, you know, the guy who, who spilled the beans, is he still alive? Oh, yeah, he's testifying in court. He, he's he's, he's going to survive because he was trying to – he was also trying to steal from his boss, the big Armenian mobster he was protecting, who was a, apparently a big secret financier through, bogus, through questionable law firms of high-ranking Democrats. And none of them somehow have been prosecuted. Somehow only this the FBI guy is because they had no choice under the circumstances. But they're trying to limit the scope of the case from getting to the where the real truth lie, which was deep institutional corruption. It, well, it, it is amazing. I, I, I would take a poll to see who's heard of this because there's been n- no coverage whatsoever. And then, you know, you'll get your, uh, I got into a Twitter back and forth, although I think French has stopped responding to me. Uh, you know, the David A. Franches who say the FBI wouldn't have, you know, they, they have their reasons. They couldn't have gotten a warrant without a good reason. So we have to trust the process. Uh, what, well, what's that was be- a federal judge's excuse in the lockbox case this week. Well, what's, what, just take this FBI case. What's going to be the outcome? You'll get a conviction. It'll be one bad apple and then back to business as usual. Yep. That's exactly what it'll be. Watch. It'll never go to Newsom. It will never go to the lawyers. It will never go to uh, Hillary Clinton. It will never go to Barack Obama. It will never go to so many of the other complicit parties involved in this. 
Uh, Robert, actually, this was not on the menu, but um, I, maybe you'll have something to add. The it, it made the news last week because I guess the the culprit is transgender, but the spy, uh, the transgender a doctor who was leaking uh, medical information to Russians. Uh, were you following that story at all? I just saw the story, and I don't know enough about it to confirm any details about it. Okay, so the uh, I just saw it, and, and but I don't know what else. Uh, uh, what else it entails. So can't speak to it uh, beyond that. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with the FBI. It, it's, it's, you, I, I don't know if you've done a hush hush on Webb, the guy who committed suicide by shooting himself. No, twice not in yet. The uh, yeah. The, the, uh, uh, the deep state and drug series is definitely coming. MK ultra is a little bit about that. Montreal features in the MK ultra. Oh, yeah. hush, hush. The uh, McGill, and McGill people, university and the Allen Memorial Institute. It's uh, yep. and people you, really didn't know. What Bill Barr and his daddy were up to. Uh, the uh, That was a fun hush-hush to write about. Uh, all right, FBI, we'll see where that one goes. But, Robert, what, what does that segue into? The L.A. lockbox case. So the FBI gets caught lying and stealing a bunch of people's records and information for a period of time, stealing their property until they were forced to give it back. And the what does the federal judge say? Eh, the FBI meant well and dismisses the entire suit. They meant well. You know, they yeah, they lied. But, you know, they still probably we probably would have signed the warrant anyway. So it's OK that they lied. And, yeah, maybe illicit motivation was part of it, but they might have had a good motive for what they did. And as long as they do, you can't sue. So, I mean, this tells you the scope. This is why they do it. They get away with it. The courts green light it. The courts rubber stamp it. They approve of federal law enforcement corruption, including many conservative judges rush to approve of, of government corruption when it's in law enforcement. And uh, sadly, that case, hopefully maybe it will be reconsidered by the Ninth Circuit and reversed uh, because it was a problematic ruling that when you can prove all the things they could prove, which is hard to prove, uh, and yet still you can't get your day in court with a trial by jury. Because they find every excuse imaginable to pardon the misconduct and malfeasance of federal law enforcement. And this was the we talked about this a while back. This was the uh, the vault company that for whatever the reason, uh, I forget the reason for which they were the object of anything. But FBI supposedly had some potentially illegal source of material property and wealth stored there. But under that pretext, they went in and seized everybody's. Everybody's everybody's security boxes. They opened them up. They didn't itemize them. They didn't do an inventory. They then was there an issue of um, uh, and they lied to get the warrant. They misled the federal court. All of those things. Uh, you know, they they were always planning on find find evidence of the crime, then prosecute them later. That routine, rather than uh, find have probable cause first, then do the search. That's how it's supposed to work. Uh, they got caught doing it. Uh, ultimately, had to get back a lot of the property but uh, we're not able to sustain their forfeiture proceedings as far as I know. Uh, and so the people brought suit saying this was a massive fourth amendment violation. And the court went through every hoop possible to, to basically say why you could never sue the feds. You know, the, uh, uh, I mean, that's, they're making it harder and harder. Federal courts are making it harder and harder to hold federal government officers accountable. And Robert, someone, in, uh, someone, Tyrannogast in uh, rumble rant says, please note Venmo is owned by PayPal. I don't know that that I, I didn't know that that. So if it's, mm. if it's true, beware, I guess. Um, Robert, I'm going to my list. What does this segue into? Uh, well, there was, if you want to get away with it, the fifth circuit also provided additional advice this week. 
So somebody went to a hotel, suspected there was a, in this case, criminal illegal immigration case. There was crim- evidence of criminality in a hotel room, but they didn't have probable cause and they didn't have exigent circumstances. So they go with the hotel manager to the door. And here's what purportedly the agent said. The agent said, oh, that man inside has a reasonable expectation of privacy. We don't have probable cause. So whatever you do, please don't open that door. And the hotel manager's like, heck fire. I don't listen to you feds. Banged open the door anyway. And then they went in and found the illegal evidence. Uh, and the Fifth Circuit said, that's just fine. That was a, The agent was doing the honorable, honest thing, taking at face value that that's what really happened. When everybody knows what that is, is the federal agent shows up or local cop, whoever it is, shows up and says, whatever you do, don't open this door that has uh, a scary criminal inside that I can catch. All right. That's what that is. Uh, the hotel manager ignored a federal law enforcement agent. I don't think so. But that's the kind of gullibility the federal courts expect us to buy about these lying cops and feds. Well, it's what, what state was that in? Uh, uh, that was in Texas Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. All right. Well, I guess, let, let's if we move uh, from Texas, I guess this will be the good segue. We'll go from Texas to California because that may be where a lot of youth who want gender affirming uh, procedures are going to be going now that California has has enacted, has signed into law. This went through the House and this went through the Senate and it got signed off on by um, Gavin Newsom. It's, people are, I, Robert, you'll say whether or not they're blowing it out of proportion. I, from what I understand, don't think that they are. This is going to be a piece of legislation that is going to basically turn California into a sanctuary state, a safe haven, not just for uh, teens, children in the state who want to get gender-affirming therapy, surgeries, uh, but for other out-of-state teens who can now go there to get, I, it is life-altering despite what some people want to make it out to be, life-altering, gender-affirming therapy, uh, and without any sanctions, without even uh, having to necessarily answer to objections of either or potentially both parents, uh, w- what does this legislation actually entail practically, pragmatically speaking, and what's it going to empower teens to do either with the consent of one parent, notwithstanding the objection of another, or potentially on their own entirely? Well, it's like a city of refuge. It goes beyond traditional sanctuary laws. It provides for California courts and California police and the California attorney general to refuse to recognize a court order concerning child custody, concerning child care, concerning extradition, any subpoena for simple information to disregard all of it and refuse to enforce it if the subject matter concerns medical intervention for trans treatment. Um, And this is the because most states are banning this. Texas has even called it child abuse. It also appears to create a safe haven for people who engage in criminality in these other states. Uh, It doesn't appear to be limited to just whether you get the treatment. Like right now, one interpretation is you can go to California and get treatment that is illegal in your home state in California. But it goes past that and says, we're not going to recognize court orders from another state that concerns this as a subject matter. We're not going to process arrest. We're not going to process extradition warrants. We're not going to process court subpoenas. We're not going to enforce another state's subpoenas. We're not going to enforce another state's child custody order. We're not going to, you know, none of it. Um, And this 
that's the part of the law that raises critical constitutional questions because it appears to attack the full faith and credit clause of the United States Constitution that requires states to recognize the actions of another state, including their court judgments. You can get away with being real slow to handle extradition because there's a lot of discretion there vested in the executive, but uh, not disobeying a court subpoena of another state, refusing to enforce it, refusing to allow it to be recorded as a state enforceable subpoena, not enforcing child custody orders that impacts the Uniform Interstate Family Support Act, which is uh, part of actually federal law in certain contexts, and every state has also passed. So uh, major constitutional problem, because this is truly civil war type stuff, a civil version of it and a lawfare version of it. But when you're saying we don't agree with you, other states in America, we're now not going to recognize your courts anymore we're, uh, for subpoenas, for custody orders, for arrest orders, for extradition. We're not going to recognize them because we disagree with your laws on this subject matter. Well, it's civil war or just de facto secession. This is basically California yeah. saying piss off. Uh, what do we call it? Republic. We're going to go rogue. But Robert, what I don't understand is, I guess, conceptually, how can you carve out one aspect where you're not going to recognize the, the courts of another state uh, where you otherwise recognize it in other in other contexts? Like the, the, the con- logic. If you didn't have to constitutionally, then, then it would be a different matter. You could you know, pick and choose when you're going to recognize a foreign court order. But under the U.S. Constitution, each state has to give full faith and credit to another state's laws and courts. And so that's the problem. I think that the law is unconstitutional under the full faith and credit clause. I think it violates that. And this has been litigated in a range of contexts. But uh, I think California doesn't care that, that they're, you know, they'll let it go be fought first in the courts. And they want to see how much they could get away with. But, you know, it's one thing to say we'll be a sanctuary city for people that want a certain kind of treatment that's illegal in their state will be legal here. OK, that's one that's probably within their prerogative. It's quite another to say we will refuse to recognize another court's orders. And, and it, well, that's a state part of a state of the United States. That's a serious constitutional problem and uh, de facto legal secession. This might be a very ignorant question, but is, what what laws would there be federally that California as a state could not bypass by doing what they're doing? Oh, it, it, it laws enforcing the Uniform Interstate Family Support Act that require interstate recognition of child custody orders in particular. Okay, interesting. And, and require, you know, subpoena enforcement across state lines involving child support matters. Could there uh, conceptually be a federal law that would govern uh, trans therapy for... Not that I know of. Not unless they somehow pretended it was part of the Civil Rights Act. Uh, But I don't see that. It's quite quite shocking. It's... um... Yeah, it's 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 as it's as rogue as you can get uh, in the legal sense, uh, and it's not it's not overblown. I mean, this is basically saying we're not going to recognize court orders of other states if we think it has to do with something that we want to now create a safe haven for in our state. Yep. Uh, on the on the subject, I, I it was not on our menu, but while we're talking about California and the insane laws, I read that bill that would propose no autopsies. Uh, for babies that are, you know, born uh, up to four. 28 days after birth, has that um, has that gone through the? Is yeah, that law? They passed that one too. Okay, my understanding. And Robert, I mean, look, so baby killing is back to being legal in California. Well, it's it's even one step. They're saying, oh, that it doesn't allow for post delivery abortion. 
or post delivery. Yeah, but you just can't do an autopsy on any post delivery on anybody who on any baby who died within 28 days of birth. Is my understanding of it? I read it, Robert. I'm like, that's my understanding, but I definitely don't defer to my understanding on things like this. I first of all, I'm too neurotic. I'm saying like I've got to be misunderstanding something, but it it does say from all reasonable understandings. I'm going to look at the chat in Rumble. No autopsies on whether or not it occurred before or within the 28 days after. Is, is that? Exactly. Exactly. That's how I read it. And they pretend it's about something else, but it's clearly legalizing infanticide by not allowing the way it legalizes it is by not allowing autopsies to that are the factual basis of any criminal investigation to even occur. That that's the game they're playing. Uh, they're like, well, we didn't legalize anything. Uh, we just prohibited you from having the means to investigate and indict it. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. De facto legalization. Robert, actually, someone someone asked a rumble rant here. It's from Matt Gammond or Matt G. Hammond or Gammond. Will other states not say they cannot provide bail to people because of the threat to fleeing to California? <laughs> well, th- th- this will come up in family disputes now where this issue is a dispute in states that don't allow this. They'll say there's a major problem because they'll just run to California to get their uh, procedure, and no, and your court, the Cal- California law doesn't allow your court order to be enforced there. I mean, it's a, it's a, the, the latter part is what's really wild, but it will be coming up in in these disputes in, in cases, um, and yeah, it's it's stunning, stunning. And there was some other dumb law, in California. Oh yes, also California passed a law that said if you're a doctor. You could lose your medical license for saying things that the official narrators disagree with for saying misinformation. Yeah. Now, that's already being challenged in a case we talked about previously when it was a de facto policy and not yet de jure law. Uh, and I assume they will add it. That That's clearly a First Amendment violation, in my view, and should be struck down on the same grounds the pending suit is uh, is currently has good grounds. So we'll see. But, you know, they're they're just passing one nutty law after the next. It's uh, then you say like if you don't like it, leave the state. But th- th- this is like this is a state going absolutely rogue. Where I I can see people looking at California and seeing the modern day embodiments. Uh, in, in what's the word not personification embodiment of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is like a state now. In the name of tolerance, it's like we want to be we we to get a tattoo. You still have to be eighteen. I don't even think parental consent to get a tattoo in California uh, would bypass the rules, but temporary or, or, or just be in Tahiti and think it was a good idea at the time. <laughs> well, you were, you were an adult, Robert. I mean, you should have. Yes, should yes, have. yes, yes. I was. I, the, I've seen Pat people get tattoos of the rings. I mean, first of all, the ring, not that I plan on getting divorced and I don't, but worse comes to worse. You could take off a ring, but that tattoo, it's a, it's a, all right. Uh, what do we have next, Robert? What's up with Stacey Abrams? So, yes, yeah, Stacey Abrams had brought a big suit all the way back to 2018 uh, that also attacked Georgia's new laws as the case progressed, saying that Georgia's laws are wraitheth, wraitheth, wraitheth. Uh, and her grounds was it requires things like identification, requires things like you be alive, requires things like you not have duplicate, you can't be registered multiple times, uh, you know, required you actually be part of the state. Things a lot like this. And she was like, all these rules are racist, racist, racist. A liberal Obama appointee held a lengthy bench trial and said, there's no evidence that this has even negatively impacted any voter, least of all that it's disparately or discriminated against anybody. And so ruled against Abrams across the board. 
Uh, she lost entirely. So Georgia's election laws are completely intact. It's right to screen its voter rolls intact. It's right to require certain citizen, uh, I, proof of identification for purposes of either registration or voting intact. And its other reforms passed this past legislative session completely fully intact. So a big win for those on the election reform side. Big loss for Stacey Abrams and the Democrats. All righty. Uh, let, me, let me see what the next, uh, what the next subject is. Oh, Robert, um, which one do you want to go to now? Uh, the next big one is uh, is Uvalde. So uh, well, before we get into the heaviness of Uvalde, let's let's just go over quickly the Facebook uh, spying on its on its users. Because oh yeah. yeah, so Facebook it's not it's not yet certified as a class action, but they're being sued over allegations that they bypassed Apple's uh, privacy security features. Where I I don't know how the mechanism works, but when you open an app, it, it Facebook would not go through. Uh, Apple's security system, they would open new browsers so they could track uh, the user data of the individual who... Everything. Not not just secretly record all your communications and conversations that you're using on the direct messenger app of Facebook or direct messaging on Instagram or while you're on Facebook or Instagram. Maybe you don't realize all those direct messages are tracked and traced and all that. But they were but they were planting a device under your phone or laptop so that they were tracking every place you went, including being able to steal your password uh, at, at all the different sites you were going to. So the they were stealing a bunch of information. And in particular, it was pernicious because Apple had put in a process to prohibit that, had marketed that they had prohibited that. And it turns out Facebook found an easy way around it. May raise questions about how sincere Apple was really being, but put that aside. Facebook caught again, violating privacy rules. And it's a reminder to everybody out there. It's like people like, oh, you know, Rumble has these functional functionality issues compared to YouTube. Yes, YouTube's operates at a different scale, but that's because you are the product on YouTube. They, they are grabbing all of your information and monetizing it on a regular basis. If the product is free and it has all the wonderful bells and whistles, you're the product. Uh, without your full notice and knowledge in violation of a range of state and federal laws, which has now led to this big, another big class action against Facebook for poor little Mark Zuckerberg, who fell out of the top 10 this list uh, this year and uh, billionaires because the stock market's getting shellacked uh, by the dementia candidate in the White House. But, but and Robert, it's like Facebook, they just paid penalties for these things. YouTube just paid penalties for these things. Not that Facebook and YouTube are the same entity, but it's like, they get slapped on the wrist with penalties that represent a day's worth of profit, and they just go back and do it again. And this explicitly bypassed yeah. Apple's Apple's security features by allowing whatever they were surfing to open up in a separate browser that didn't go through the Apple uh, whatever system, and they just tracked all of the user data despite you know people thinking it wasn't happening. Well, it's the importance of the antitrust bill that's just a process bill currently that passed the House of Representatives by the bipartisan majority. A uh, bunch of Democrats and Republicans joined in, and it's mostly a process bill. It just increases the fees they have to pay when there's a big merger. What that does, that will fund and buttress up the antitrust department so that it has a few more personnel capable of actually enforcing antitrust laws. Second, it requires, it finally allows states to seek remedy in local courts because their cases are being dragged into select federal courts that were very protective of monopolies, changed federal law on that. And then require that if there's a big merger, you have to disclose whether you have any money with China. Now, 
what is Congressman Jim Jordan, the great Republican congressman, as people tell me? As I said, he's really good on a lot of issues, but on big tech, he's in their pocket. He has been fighting this bill. Why does he want big tech to hide their ties to China? Why does he want big tech to continue to engage in monopolistic practices? Because a lot of this stems from big tech monopoly power. They're invading everybody's privacy because they know they can just pay small fines to get out of it because they have monopoly-sized market power. If they didn't, their competitor would use this as an advantage to take them out. Their competitor can't because the competitor's too small. And so this is a good sign that the antitrust bill was passed. Matt Stoller, who we'll be talking to later in the month, this big antitrust guy, comes from the old Democrat side of the aisle, but a great antitrust guy, said this is a great piece of legislation, but highlighted that Jim Jordan, again, continues to be in big tech's pocket as he has historically been. And it's a major weakness of Jim uh, Jordan being someone that people can trust in positions of power within the Republican Party. With respect to the antitrust bill, okay, I, I understand the rationale behind China in particular, but why not? Why limit it to China and not force big tech in any merger to disclose whatever ties it has to any foreign entity? I mean, it's, it, China's a national security issue because of its size, the, but the, the national security angle was their predicate. So that's why they targeted incorporated China. They could incorporate more countries, but they would want a national security angle to justify it. All right. So that's, I mean, that's some good news, I guess, in terms of, I, I you know, I now appreciate the benefit to local state courts as opposed to being, uh, what's the word, uh, not deferred, but rather punted out to federal courts. We've seen how the federal courts tend to side. So if you get your local state court in your local district, uh, you can, if not, uh, you're not skewing the system. You're just ensuring that it operates without being skewed by being deferred to a federal court. When does it well, go into, when does it go into effect? Uh, it hasn't passed the Senate yet, so it's only okay. passed the House of Representatives, and Congress took time off. Couldn't get around to passing that bill banning them trading in stocks and putting it in there like, golly, gee, would love to. But Nancy Pelosi, again, better than any hedge fund. Her rate of return has just been fantastic for decades. And uh, same with uh, you know Bill Burr, the, the corrupt senator from North Carolina, Republican senator, famously cashed in on the pandemic, a bunch of uh, – Senators and House members on both sides of the aisle cashed in because they got inside intel the lockdowns were coming. It gave them an incentive to support the lockdowns because they bet on or shorted stock based on knowing the lockdowns were coming. So they had no incentive to undo the lockdowns. They were going to get rich off of it, uh, just like Amazon did, just like big tech did, just like a lot of uh, people that on the stock market did, so on and so forth. So it's uh, extraordinary what they can get to and what they just can't find the time for. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how all that progresses ultimately. Now, in terms of federal policy and court courts and litigation behavior, two good student loan forgiveness lawsuits were filed this week, one by a student who pointed out that because he was going to be taxed on Biden's loan forgiveness plan, and he was already part of another loan forgiveness plan that would not tax him, he had standing to challenge this patently unlawful action of student loan forgiveness without going through the House or the Senate, predicated solely on the somehow it's a, an emergency power, right? Again, this is whenever you start opening the door to emergency powers, they're always going to abuse it. That's what some of us said at the time. Uh, then a the bunch of states brought a lawsuit saying, hey, this actually screws over private banks under our control that will hurt us. So the Biden administration was so scared of both suits and so knows that it can't win a legal challenge to this actually being a lawful action that they changed overnight the loan forgiveness plan 
to exempt the people suing them. So basically, the more people that sue them, they'll figure, okay, we'll carve them out. We'll carve them out so that we can still have the PR victory of this. Who knows how many people will be left at the end of the day, even though it's already expensive proposition is currently proposed. Uh, it has certain income limitations and other things. Now it has now it can't be private bank tied. Now you can't be part of another program, so on and so forth. Uh, if there's still now again, I'm not a fan of standing. I find it a questionable doctrine at core. But uh, putting that aside, there is always an argument that a that you did have standing at the time you brought suit, and it's not, and it shouldn't be considered moot because it's capable of repetition yet evading review. But I don't think these federal courts will say that. So they're going to have to find new grounds, new new plaintiffs to sue to challenge this unlawful order. Well, and again, you know, I know how you feel about standing and I know how I feel about mootness, where the issue is susceptible of repetition, like suspending the border restrictions. In this case, I could definitely understand how they're going to say, look, we've changed the policy. We might always the argument that we might enact policy similar to will always exist. Right. compared to like suspending something. So they say, yeah, these people have now permanently lost standing under this legislation. Uh, and so they have no standing. That much I could understand probably happening. Who would then have to be the next ideal candidate with standing in the well, legal I don't system? see, I still think that anybody that's taxed could sue. Because it seems to me like uh, it, that you, you don't have to be, like the, the current person's suit was, hey, I, w- I wouldn't be taxed if uh, under my current plan. And now I will be. But everybody's being taxed on this that uh, that gets any student loan forgiveness. I think that's an injury, right? And, the, and then they can, and the government can say, well, you're not really, you're getting a net plus because the amount of forgiveness. But I can see a lot of people saying, I never plan on paying back the student loan. I mean, oh, that could have been delayed. I'm going to have to pay this tax or they put me in prison, whole different animal, whole different kind of debt. I think anybody that will owe tax on this uh, can sue. So I think that ultimately it was creative credit to the people looking at challenges because when I initially thought of it, I was like, I don't see who can sue. Uh, how, how is anybody hurt by it? Well, actually, because a bunch of state governments said they were going to tax it. People don't know this. I, I hate this. This law it allows you to be taxed on loan forgiveness. I don't think you should be taxed on loan forgiveness. I, I get that it could be abused as a loophole and all that jazz. But the uh, you know, they're like this happened. This, people got hammered during the housing thing. You lost your house. And, and and they forgave the excess part of the loan. You got a big tax bill. It's like I lost my house and I get taxed for it. How is this? And I, I still don't like that law. So the uh, uh, but I think anybody who's going to have to owe tax, that's an injury. That's only because of this legislation. And the, the only way you carve all of them out is to get rid of it altogether uh, or to say it doesn't apply in states that will tax you. Well, then you've you know, then you've gutted like 80 percent of the program. It would not one of the best potential candidates for a lawsuit be those who paid off their loan, I don't know, within a short period or within a statute of limitations period before this policy was enacted? They're not, they're not injured, though. That's the problem. You need someone who says, because of this, I'm out of pocket something. And, and not, had I known this was coming, I would not have done something. Right, exactly. Well, that's very frustrating. That, what, what did you learn, people who pay your bills on time? <laughs> Why pay now when you can pay later? <laughs> okay, so that's cynical and disgusting. Um, all right, we'll, we'll save one or a couple of lighthearted cases for the end so we can, you know, change the mood after the Uvalde lawsuit. But Robert, massive lawsuit coming out of Uvalde. I, I, I don't know of all the plaintiffs, but I'm fairly certain one of the plaintiffs uh, was in a viral video. And someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think she was in one of the videos where she wanted to go in 
And she was told that she can't go in. They can't do anything. Stay outside. And, and they were screaming. And, and I think she's one of the plaintiffs. Hernandez, I think, is, is the name. Uh, but basically, the lawsuit is uh, injured parties, to say the least, uh, suing the yeah, school. I think it includes people who are relatives to those who, are, who, who are, uh, either survived the shooting or the survivors of those who died in the shooting. I'm going to try to pull up the lawsuit while we while we talk about this, just so I can uh, reference big, it. Big, but big case. I well, mean, so it's big, it's, big it's, suit. Huge big case. suit. It's it's it was sixty some odd pages. I mean, it's and because it's heavy, it's heavy substance, but also in in factual you know factual background. Uh, and they're suing. I mean, this is so you have a, you have plaintiffs who have suffered harm, no question. Uh, suing the school, suing the security company of the school, suing Uvalde Police Department, suing the gun manufacturer i believe also are they suing the gun the gun salesman who the the store that sold the guns i think as well so yeah everybody i the part of the suit i support is the suit brought against the school district by the way what it has in there you've all i'll, I'll say it now you've all doesn't happen if the media covers sandy hook honestly right they want to blame alex jones for questioning the issues i'll be in connecticut this week uh, as a spokesperson for Alex Jones, as he takes the stand again inside the courtroom, I'll be outside the courtroom uh, defending him in the court of public opinion. Uh, we'll be going up there uh, early tomorrow, actually. Um, and the, uh, you know, what the big story of Sandy Hook always was is that the politicians pocketed cash meant for school safety. That school, and this is meant. Some many people thought it made this stuff up. It's mentioned in this suit in other capacities. They said after Columbine. There were universal school safety plans put in place, and here's what every school safety plan required. And one of the things it required was the ability to lock the doors. And they had, and, and what happened is you couldn't lock the doors. The teachers couldn't lock the doors at Sandy Hook. And that's why a lot of kids died who probably would be alive today but for that. But the politicians couldn't let that be known. The, that's why they hid information from the Open Records Act and the version of sunshine, transparency, and freedom of information laws that they have in Connecticut leading people to think other things that were mistaken, but correct in saying they're covering something up. They were. That's why they destroyed the school real fast, destroyed a lot of other evidence real fast, made sure that people, they hid or destroyed evidence that would have implicated them. And had the world known, imagine all the way back then, it comes out right away because the media does their job. Rather than glamorize the shooter, demonize Alex Jones, they actually do their job and say, oh my goodness, the politicians didn't protect these kids' lives by implementing basic safety measures. How Don't you think Uvalde and all the other schools would have been like, holy crap, we better make sure we have this in place now. Every parent would be asking about it. Teachers would be asking about it. Community members would be asking about it. By suppressing the truth of Sandy Hook like the mainstream media did and the political class in Connecticut did, they allowed Uvalde to happen. Now, the uh, so and this suit details all the problems with how the school safety was inadequate and breached basic protocol. It point there's something called the state created danger doctrine. And I was wondering how they were going to get there, because this is tricky. The, the courts have, again, gone out of their way to say no duty to protect, no duty to help unless the state created the danger. Right now, that creates all kinds of perverse incentives. Like now, if you're in the middle of a riot, as long as you stay out as a cop, you can't be sued. So you can watch somebody beat up in front of you. Doesn't matter. You can't be sued. If you intervene, even to save somebody's life, boom, now you can be sued. It's totally perverse and distorted and reverse of our history. 
But under the state-created danger doctrine, uh, if the state creates the danger, so you're driving, the cop's driving down the road, sees somebody abandoned. If he keeps on driving, can't be sued. If he picks them up and then doesn't drop them off in a safe location, bingo, can be sued. I don't necessarily like that distinction, but 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 it's what exists. In this context, I brought many state-created danger doctrines and seen courts come up with excuse after excuse. I mean, there was a county that created a pool that they knew was dangerous that had a sinkhole in it. Little five-year-old kid died. Courts refused to allow anybody to sue over it, that kind of stuff. So this is a tough, tough doctrine to bring. But I was wondering what their anchor was. And their an- I was like, what's your anchor for their not implementing school safety, for the police not responding and standing down? What's going to, how, how do you claim that's 1983 violation, given all these bad rulings that say the state has to create the danger, not just fail to prevent it, preclude it, or do something about it? Uh, it's the lockdowns. So their point is, these became problems once the school issued a lockdown, and they're brutal in the lawsuit. But the way they describe it is this lockdown killed people. This lockdown let kids be lined up to be shot by a shooter that they refused to take out with a school that he even got into because of their problems in the first place, that they were target practice for a shooter because of the school system, because of the police response. And so that part of the suit, I robustly support. And I think they have created an adequate claim to get past motion to dismiss and summary judgment. Part of the suit I do not support is blaming the gun manufacturer. Well, hold on. Again, before, before we get there, because I mean, people are going to know where you're going to go with this. I, just a few questions I have. Um, as a Canadian Quebec lawyer with no knowledge, with some knowledge now, but the question I often um, hear is police do not have uh, a positive obligation to intervene. Uh, it was that Supreme Court decision of, of a woman getting sexually assaulted and cops drove by, didn't intervene. Is, is there nuance to that? Police don't have to intervene, but once they do, then they have obligations? Correct. That's it. And, it. and it is, in fact, accurate to say that despite that being their job as policemen or policewomen, they do not have to, they do not have a proactive, active obligation to intervene in the event of a situation. No duty to protect. Uh, you know, and, and, and so, uh, I mean, by the way, it used to be the case, just the opposite. In the riot context, if you had police in your community, that made it create an implicit promise to the community that you would protect their property. If a riot occurred, the state or city, whichever it was, was strictly liable for any damage caused. This is how we have great details of the inventory of damages from like the Civil War riots in New York in the 1860s. You know, where you got what everybody's little you know desk and thing and everyone, you know, there's a lot of Park Avenue people. A couple of the Irish didn't like getting drafted, so they went up to the Upper uh, West Side and decided to uh, redistribute a little bit of the wealth themselves um, uh, with self-destruction and some other means. But the uh, and then they changed that in the 1960s. Right? They they liked the riots politically. They thought it profited them. Didn't want to discourage it. Didn't want to deter it. Used it as a pretext to write checks to their pals and buddies and these various non-governmental organizations and nonsense. And all of a sudden, they reversed the whole laws. Now all of a sudden, you couldn't be responsible. Unless you intervene. So uh, there's now no incentive. That's why people wonder why do cops stand by in riots? This is why. Because they, they, they will, the only way they, they know, the only way they get sued is if they intervene. And this has created totally distorted incentives. But uh, I do think they've got around it. There's, if the state didn't create the danger, no duty to protect. If the state did create the danger, then there is a duty to protect. Okay. Interesting and just devastating at the same time, but I'm, I'm going to pull this up because there's a couple of 
aspects of the complaint. The, the um, products liability manufacturing defect is not related to the guns. It's related to the security at the school, Robert. Um, the, uh, where is it? the marketing defect for the firearms and, uh, and going after the gun manufacturers. I mean, let, so let's deal with that. They're, they're pulling the angle of, of what we saw happen in Connecticut where they went after Remington and settled for $72 million. Uh, I mean, is there not legislation that, sh that shields gun manufacturers from crimes committed with fire, fire. Yeah, they mentioned it actually in the suit. It's a PLCAA, which uh, is a federal law that passed that said you cannot sue a gun manufacturer, gun distributor, gun seller for the criminal unlawful use of the gun. Uh, you have to show something else extraordinary, such as they were their direct complicity in the incident, which they're trying to claim generic advertising created direct complicity, which is ludicrous in my view. Um, and so this is an attempt to get around this. Now, this even ever came about because, again, in the Sandy Hook case, the Sandy Hook plaintiff's lawyers sued Remington. They got Remington's insurers to write a $73 million plus check. And that was because the Connecticut courts are so politically rogue and corrupt. They refused to enforce this federal law. And the U.S. Supreme Court lazily sat on it, didn't rule on it, probably thinking they could rule on it after a jury verdict had come in. But the insurance companies weren't willing to wait for that. So they wrote a check for the maximum insurance coverage. Their fear was the jury verdict would come in over $73 million. And then the insurance companies would be on the hook for that if they didn't settle when they could have within $73 million. So every plaintiff's lawyer in the world saw that and was starting to smell blood in the water and money in their pocket. And so that part of the suit, blaming Daniel Defense, I think it's called, yeah. Uh, for for this criminal illegal use of the gun strikes me as nonsense unless they have a lot better evidence than they ever detail in the suit. Their it's, challenge is they claim they'll have evidence of direct negligent entrustment. They probably won't. They're also claiming it somehow violates the 10th Amendment and is unconstitutional, this law. I don't see how that applies. Um, but we'll see, maybe. Uh, now, what's interesting is a lot of liberals probably aren't paying attention to that aspect. If it's the case that you cannot immunize a uh, gun company under federal law because that preempts state law, state torts, unconstitutionally under the 10th Amendment, then you know who else wouldn't be immune? Car manufacturers. Certain drug companies better oh, pay okay. real close attention to this case because I'm sure they're all cheering it on because they're all a bunch of quasi-commies anyway who want to take away gun rights. But I, I won't mind terribly if the court says this is a 10th Amendment violation, because by golly, you can expect some PREP Act unconstitutionality changes will be coming very soon thereafter. Robert, just for the Canadians out there, remind us of what the 10th Amendment is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the 10th Amendment is all rights not explicitly given to the federal government are reserved to either the states or the people. So it applies in context where the federal government has gone beyond their constitutionally expressed powers. And I'm curious to see that. I'm sympathetic with aspects of the ar argument. I'm not a fan of what it means is states should be passing their own uh, to prohibit this uh, targeting of uh, uh, the Second Amendment uh, through lawfare, through selective lawfare. States like Texas should already have similar laws on the books, frankly. Now, I think the hard part for them is they're in the Western District of Texas. I think it's the uh, Del Rio or El Paso division. 
And uh, that's the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, where they're not going to have a lot of supporters sympathetic to the idea that the federal gun liability law is unconstitutional. However, if, you know, I'm not entirely unsympathetic to the argument, because I do think the idea of state torts and state courts should be the final resolver of these issues, uh, more so than federal special immunity laws. And I got no problem. I'm not a fan of any immunity law. And so uh, wouldn't mind if it got struck, but I'm sure there's a lot of liberal Democrats that haven't put one and one together to figure out who else would lose immunity if uh, the 10th Amendment argument is upheld here. What was the rationale for that uh, that law in the first place? I mean, nobody thinks you we can sue. Federal protection of gun manufacturers who believe that the threat of litigation would preclude a critical industry from protecting constitutional liberty in America. Okay, I, that's so. That's the, the constitutional aspect to it is the, is the critical is the Second factor. Amendment aspect. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm thinking like, wh- wh- why enact that for gun manufacturers specifically, whereas you don't have to do that for car manufacturers because nobody's going to go sue Ford if someone uses their truck to ram into a crowd. Um, Not uh, yet. Yeah, well, I mean, th- th- that's where this would seem to be going, Robert. Yeah. So I'm sure there's some plaintiffs' lawyers in that. Like, I think that. Uh, the, the Waukesha uh, killer, the guy who ran through mm-hmm. a parade, I think he went pro se this week. That's not usually a good indicator but uh, of his uh, acquittal rate. But I'm sure as people thinking, you know, uh, some plaintiff's lawyer thinking, I wonder if I could sue the car manufacturer. The, uh, you know, so it's just the nature of, of where this is. And, and it's there'll be continued lawfare waged against gun manufacturers until and unless the law changes in some places to make clear the Second Amendment requires certain protection for them. And now in the lawsuit, in order to go after the gun manufacturer, Daniel Defense, they say, you know, they, they market it and seemingly market it uh, indiscriminately. To, it's the cinematic version of a runaway jury. Well, I would imagine, hypothetically, a gun manufacturer is, is so dumb that they do this to say market it to criminals. Say, look, it's so easy to conceal. If you want to go rob a bank, this is your gun of choice. That I could imagine would incur the liability of the gun manufacturer, but just generic advertising. Um, it was the, the exceptions were meant to be real direct. Like in other words, you're, de- de- you're deliberately delivering guns directly to gangs, right? Things like that, not generic advertising uh, because that applies across the board. So I think there, that's a reach where they're trying to go. The exceptions to the law was meant to cover people that were de- deliberately directly manufacturing for criminal use. There's no evidence I saw in their complaint of that. And um, because they're suing so many people on so many different bases, uh, is this likely to face something of a a scission? I don't know what the word is, a splitting of lawsuits? Like get some of the defendants in a separate lawsuit and then get the school and the cops. They brought it all in one, so it will be handled all in one. Uh, I think the chances against some act defendants are much better than others, but it will depend on the judge they draw. And it was Del. It was the Del Rio division, Robert. Uh, you're yep. right about that. Uh, so let's see: products liability failure to warn, products liability manufacturing defect. I think that was the security aspect. Some of the the, the doors were some of the security at the school wasn't working, uh, and then they were leaving they, doors unlocked all the time, and they knew that violated safety protocol. And then they didn't go in immediately after they did the lockdown. They just sat around, and despite so, law requiring they go, they immediately act. And so I'm, it's just irresponsible. You know, that's who they should, in my view, focus on. They're plaintiff's firm, so they're looking for whoever's got a deep pocket to cash out. But I think from a political perspective, they end up only aligning themselves with the left by adding in the gun manufacturer. 
Yeah. And uh, Night, Nighthawk28 with the $10 Rumble Rant says, if I get rear-ended, uh, can I sue the car manufacturer for damage? And we're, we're one step away. Uh, so they're suing the school, the police, the security, um, gun manufacturers, and it's, it's, a, it's a big suit. All right, to be continued with that, uh, and people, some people in the chat on Rumble, Robert, think or are or, or implying that you might be pushing it with you know the analogy, had the media done what they needed to do and ought to have done with... with think of how big it, it would have been. I, mean, no, no, I, I, think, Robert, I think you're right. I think you're a thousand percent right. In, in other schools, even in, in Canada, where gun violence is not, school gun violence is not so much of the problem, but other types, they have, uh, they have metal bars on each door, bathroom doors, classroom doors. They have security to get into the school. Some schools even have security guards outside and like it, it goes without saying. And so the idea that this, when people say they destroyed the school and you had some people who I think might be distracting the discussion saying they, they tore the school down because it didn't exist or it wasn't an operational school. No, that's the distraction. They, they, they tore the school down so that people could not see or that we could not determine the absence of safety protocol that they ought to have implemented just as, as common sense. And had that been scrutinized in Sandy Hook, maybe Uvalde has proper safety, security, locking mechanisms, individual locking mechanisms. It would have gone global and viral. The scandal would have been off the charts. Every parent would have been calling up their school to see what, whether they made sure their doors could lock, what, safe, what the school safety plan in place was. None of that happened because the politics. And now what it would have also done, hard to blame the gun, right? It, it, blaming the gun would have faded because this is what would have dominated. That's why they couldn't allow it to occur. It's the other reason. They had a cover-up for the Democratic corrupt politicians, and they had to keep the focus on the gun rather than on school safety. Right? And, and the other factor is, as you see these cases develop and the rest, what motivation is there to stop school shootings if, if someone's going to politically profit from them and lawyers are going to get rich off of them? I mean, sadly, there's not a direct disincentive for them, to con- to, for them not to see it keep happening. And maybe that's why they don't want school safety talked about in general, and definitely not as it related to Sandy Hook. I'll bring up, I can't bring up the Rumble rant, but Grunt167 says, Daniel Defense ARs are very Gucci guns, i.e. expensive and well-made. The fact that the shooter was able to afford two of them is glowy. So let's set the second half of that aside. Um, Grunt, uh, let, let me bring up the lawsuit because you make a decent point, and they raise it in the lawsuit in terms of the suspicion of the company or the store that sold the guns to the kid. Hold on a second here share paragraph 68 outback knew or should have known the gunman was suspicious and dangerous oasis outback's owner talked to the gunman and asked how he could afford three thousand dollars of guns and ammunition the owner noticed the gunman was always alone and quiet all warning signs of a mass shooter conveniently after the shooting the store owner now claims the gunman did not seem suspicious but i mean you're supposed to be suspicious of a guy for having three thousand dollars being alone and be uh, being alone Well, it it is, it is, um, but it it does raise the, I mean, I don't know how tightly knit the community is, how they know if this kid is an 18 year old kid comes in with 3000 cash. I could, they go on in the suit to say he was dressed in black and, you know, other people said he was suspicious, but I mean, that's, that's a, I don't know. I, I, I'd raise the highly subjective, supposed to have objective data. He could lawfully purchase a gun. He could lawfully purchase a gun. That's, I am curious how he had the money for it, but it's like, so now you're supposed to not sell the gun if you have any reason to be suspicious of the person. I mean, they're trying to restrain gun ownership in America. That's what they're trying to do. Um, and superimpose standards on it through selective lawfare. 
And I think that's deeply problematic. There's no evidence that they presented that anybody that sold him the gun, which is what negligent entrustment is supposed to be, knew that he would use it to kill innocent people. There's just no evidence of that whatsoever. It, it's, it's a reach. Uh, somebody asked uh, uh, from our locals live chat going on at vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Uh, Robert, why do we have to pay taxes for local police departments if they are not obligated to help us? That used to be the legal standard. The courts decided to carve it out because they love covering up for their corrupt cops. It's a good question. Oh, Robert, here, one, one Rumble Rant says, facts matter. Barnes, you're missing one hell of a Packers game. We're 22,100 people watching on Rumble. I think there might be more people watching this than the than – the, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people watching the Pats. Pat, Pat. Oh, it's interesting that game is close. I, I got some money on that game. Who did you uh, pick, Robert, if I may ask? Say that. What? Who, who did you pick, if I may ask? Uh, Patriots over to score more than 14 points, I think, is my only bet in that game. The uh, uh, From the – some comments on the uh, – uh, from locals – it's sad that the Uvalde parents chose to sue the SUV, but not the police who diddled around for 77 minutes. I think they are kind of suing. They're suing who they think they can sue, and they're focusing on the school district. And they're suing the school district for some of the things the police did uh, because they're saying they're under their control, as I interpret it. And it's because of the state-created danger doctrine. They can't sue the police out of the blue because it's the lockdown that create is the grounds by which they can sue, and the police didn't create the lockdown the school district did. That's why they're having to sue who they're suing. It's because of the limits on our civil rights laws. Uh, we discussed that. We discussed that. Well, that's well, oh, I don't know about China having police stations in Canada. Do you see that story? I saw that story too, and I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't know enough about it. I don't know what's meant by it. When they say police stations, whether or not they mean, I don't know. Do they have some? office that's surveilling? I, I don't know, but I've, I've heard the same story about United States and Canada. Um, but I remember being very suspicious when I heard that Canada was training Chinese uh, military for winter conditions. That turned out to be true. So some things turned out to be true over time. Uh, the, the, the quarantine facilities, constructing new facilities turned out not to be true. Like I said, you know, you didn't need to construct new ones when you can convert empty hotels into it. But I've heard that story. I don't know enough about it. Uh, to confirm I think the only that. case we have left aside from any rumble ramps is, uh, Andrea Bocelli. Well, hold on. No, we got one before we get there. I know nothing about. I know nothing about that one. The monster verdict, Robert. Oh uh, yes. So this this one is one where I, I don't understand how it came to be. Monster, the energy drink, sued another energy drink company. Uh, I think and, Bang or something. Yes, I, I don't know if it was Bang. I, oh, I don't know if it was Bang. I, another energy drink, uh, and won a two hundred ninety three million dollar judgment on verdict, but. I didn't understand what the cause of action was between uh, Monster and this other energy company. Now, apparently the energy company engaged in basically, I won't say fraudulent, but false advertising, saying they had some super creatine, water-soluble creatine compound in their drinks that made them the best drinks on earth. I don't understand how Rum uh, not Rumble, sorry, uh, Monster itself was entitled to any damages against this company unless they were arguing that they siphoned off their market through these unlawful, uh, dishonest, fraudulent marketing. You nailed it. Okay. Hey, three, 293 almost, million. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Not bad. Hey, yeah, almost 300 million. Monster verdict for Monster Energy Company. I like the headline. And, and, and I think there's still room for some punitive damages uh, for the oh, judge to decide whether or not. Speaking of big verdicts, uh, I don't know if we mentioned, do we mention the uh, big COVID verdict? I don't think we did. Yet. No, I don't think so. 
So a $48 million verdict uh, for COVID, against a COVID insurer refused to insure uh, Baylor Medical Center concerning the lockdowns and related issues of COVID. And the I saw this argued extensively, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago in California. California appellate courts are moving in this direction. This is right before they screwed me on a case. I, I had good arguments, and they, they'd already preordained that they were going to screw me. And then they made me sit there for four hours and listen to all these other lawyers argue, then screwed me like five minutes flat. It was clear that no cares, like, okay, whatever. Well, just, just let me be off. The, if you're going to screw me, just screw me without me having to waste four hours of my day. But the hour and a half taken to argue the COVID insurance policy was was fun. Uh, it was uh, very interesting and educational and informative because it went through all these different issues. But basically, lawyers have got smart. They're labeling, they're saying anything that happened related to the pandemic, including governmental policies of lockdown, were because of the danger, the physical danger caused by the virus. The argument is that the, the virus itself is physically inside the air supply so that it's no different from having being toxic gas in your facility, from having plumbing that doesn't work, from having water that doesn't work, from having uh, any other air issue that like air conditioning not working. They're saying that's physical. And what it is, is they tracked other cases in the past that looked at, oh, yeah, toxic air problem. That's actual physical injury. The insurer has to cover it. And so if the insurer did not have a special exemption, and they're also making the argument there's insurance policies that have special exemptions for pandemics. Yeah. The fact that our insurance policy doesn't shows the insurance company knew they were covering a pandemic because they chose not to include that exemption in the policy. So uh, Baylor won. Jury awarded almost $50 million. And uh, insurers may increasingly find themselves on the hook. And they may get whacked twice. Whacked for the lockdown policies as courts start to shift resources and responsibility and outcome uh, from individual businesses, too many of whom got hit uh, to the insurance providers, many of them Wall Street Finance. But of course, insurers are getting doubly whacked because the actuarial death rates uh, for their death insurance policies have been spiking in ways that many tie or on Rumble tie to the vaccine. Not only that, Worker disability claims are taking unusual double-digit spikes that also appear to be correlated and caused by the vaccines. So now they, insurance companies may have to pay the price. Uh, a lot of them, by the way, back directly or indirectly a lot of these lockdowns and other things because they thought this helped them carve out responsibility and accountability. Some did, but some did. So I'm not sympathetic with them as a group. But they're going to end up having to pay the price for uh, – they're already going to Congress begging for bailouts. They, they're, 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 they're dressing up like Zelensky and asking for money. And so uh, that because they're going to get they're already getting whacked at multiple levels for the effect of the government's policies in the poli uh, pandemic. I'm just I'm taking some shots of some uh, some some pictures of some rumble rants. Um, hold on, Robert. Oh, no, I was going to say e e even on YouTube now, there have been because there's been a number of MSM articles talking about the. Um, the increased death rate of 40% among working age individuals. Uh, there's been a number of fact checks that say it's inconclusive as to why some people are drawing the uh, connection between uh, the jab. Uh, others are saying it's, it's the effects of COVID or it's the effects of government policy. That discussion is now, it doesn't seem to be as verboten on YouTube. They're going to muddy the waters. And in a year from now, it's going to be as politically acceptable to talk about that as it is to talk about, the virus having originated in a man-made lab in China. Um, 
but it's, it's look, the statistics are out there. Uh, 40% increase, according to insurance companies, the only issue is the correlation, which is necessarily impossible. The fact checkers are saying there's no hard evidence that's related to the vaccine. It could be the lockdown, stress, isolation, uh, the, 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 the impact of COVID itself. We don't know. We'll find out sooner than later. Uh, but hold on. There were some rumble rants that I actually want to get to here. Um, now we still have Andrea Bocelli. Okay, I'll just I'll read for everyone in the chat. Hit the plus rumble button, or your connection will start to buffer. Rob A, and I think he's joking. Um, uh, oh, it may not be. I mean, because uh, there's all these uh, techniques to sort of uh, what do you call it? ghetto rig it. Uh, the uh, may not be politically correct, but you know the uh, I heard it from people that actually rig- rigged it in the ghetto, so it, it's cool. It's when you find alternative creative means to get around a, le- a limit of resources. I didn't even the problem. Well, I, th- you know, I've never even put that together because everyone says you know things are things are ghetto. I never actually. I'm an idiot. I'm yeah, yeah, that right, right. Um, no, I mean, black comedians do it all the time, but you, you know, you yeah, it depends. Some people interpret it different ways, but the. Uh, uh, I've always interpreted it as a compliment. So the, the place I heard it from was that way. I've heard, you know, trailer rigged it, other things too. It's using your creative mind skills to get around le- le- uh, lack of resources. Um, but then I forgot what I was talking oh, about. Oh, about, about hitting the plus button on Rumble. Oh, oh, on our locals board, there's all kinds of ways to hack other problems with Rumble. So that if you have some issue, often it's based on your particular means of accessing it might be an issue with your phone might be because you're going mobile rather than something else there's a bunch of people that are really smart on our board because we're kind of like garrison keeler's lake wobegon everybody at viva barnes law.locals.com is above average maybe <laughs> have great uh, great help for how you can solve any issue that you're having with rumble uh to and rumble will of course continue to improve and upgrade as they get the support uh, and, and and that they need uh from uh from the public uh, and by the way, in, in in the Rumble now, they're saying redneck rigged is one term. Jerry yeah, redneck rigged. Yeah, same thing. Trailer it's a compliment, rigged. not a criticism. It's not yeah. a smear. And it's, I learn something new every day. Now we got Hamartix says there's a great paper from the Israeli tracing heart attacks, EMS calls before COVID, COVID normal, during COVID when they slightly decreased, and during vax when they shot up and followed the vax tightly. Yeah, there's an autopsy. The FDA is still trying to hide autopsy reports. Autopsy showing the spike protein in the brain wasn't supposed to be happening. It's it, that's confirmed now, by the way. I, it, I am it, I'm I'm putting this on on YouTube tomorrow. It'll just be a day late for people on YouTube. It's confirmed now that the NCH NCB whatever NCBI there's a a, a journal confirms now that the that the spike protein crosses the blood brain barrier. It's confirmed now. The only question is, is it's in breast milk. Oh, so, yeah. you know issues with kids. Spike in certain death rates amongst very uh, amongst toddlers being reported in some areas. So, uh, but you know, our our suits will definitely march on in that respect. What's the uh, latest with the with the Brooks lawsuit? So uh, here's a little something for you. So the Brooke Jackson, uh, the great whistleblower, challenging Pfizer uh, for uh, you know exposed and blew the whistle long before anybody, but the U.S. government sat on it, didn't do anything with it, kind of hit it. Uh, uh, for over a year, uh, the, the the Pfizer vaccine is not safe. Was not made in a safe manner. Was not effective. Was not not in a clinically tested, scientifically valid manner. She saw and witnessed all the problems with it. Exposed it. Disclosed it. Brought a suit on behalf of the United People of America. Pfizer is of course objecting. This, the case is fully briefed. The motion to dismiss waiting on the judge. But I hear this week from the local council for Pfizer. 
And the local council from Pfizer sends me a, a letter out of the blue. I'm like, I wonder what this is about. He's a well, politically well-connected lawyer. He says, by the way, I, I hired this lawyer recently, and I didn't find out until afterwards that uh, the new lawyer who's a partner in our firm used to be Brooke Jackson's local counsel. Pfizer's local counsel went and hired and brought into his firm Brooke Jackson's former local counsel. I mean, this is conflicts all over the oh, place. Robert, they'll, they'll they'll make a China wall. They'll make the... Uh, the, the well, he's agreed to suddenly withdraw from the representation. What? He's like, do you object? And I'm like, he, yeah, I, should, I object. This is not to keep people out of work. He should not be allowed to work at that law firm until the suit is over. This it, is... It, and, and yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm pleading. I mean, uh, some of you, you get this in small town Texas. But uh, unfortunately, in Beaumont, you know, not a small, small town, but it ain't Houston or Dallas either. And so, you know, as crazy as this case gets, it keeps getting crazier. But, you know, you got billions of dollars at stake. You got Pfizer's future at stake. So I don't put anything past Pfizer uh, in a case like this. So it just shows that case keeps uh, making uh, new territory. Robert, in the States, do they refer to it as a Chinese wall or is that not? Yeah. Uh... Okay, so same, it, same phrase. Yeah, I, in, no, I, I don't know if that means from the Great Wall of China, where that came that's from. That's what I think. Well, in, in English, in French, in Quebec, it's what? called... That's what you used to call congressmen's and politicians' blind trust. Yeah, it's a Venetian blind. You can sneak and peek and look whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robert, we're two hours in. What's the Botticelli case about? Ah, so the, 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 the great, I think, opera singer, right? Uh, yeah. So the, I guess, blind. I didn't know they were blind. So they did a special, they're going on a U.S. tour. So they spent over half a million for their own special private plane. They're suing the private plane maker because it totally violated their terms. And I was like, well, what was so violent? You know, you're already in a private charter jet. Uh, it didn't measure up because they require it. Uh, his ears are sensitive. And so uh, uh, he doesn't like any particular sounds. And he said it's too old of a jet. So it made the wrong sounds. They didn't like the seatings arrangement because of how old it was. So, you know, it wasn't comfortable enough. You know, it wasn't a G5. But my favorite complaint is they write in their contract. Apparently, uh, uh, Andreas gets a little upset whenever the airline pilot says, we're about to face some, anything that might suggest the plane might crash may make him nervous. <laughs> so he's got a special contract that says, never say anything about the weather while I'm on the plane. Say nothing. Nobody can talk about the weather. Nothing about air. Not about, well, he hops on this plane that's already too old by his standards. It's got too much noise. And the seats aren't comfortable or not as comfortable as you anticipate. And what do you think the pilot does the whole time? He keeps, oh, we got some tough weather coming. Oh, this might be a real tough landing. All the way through, basically torturing poor Andreas. So Andreas has brought like a seven-figure suit demanding recovery for, for being tortured by the pilot, telling him about the bad weather. Robert, th this sounds like my last flight on Spirit Air. <laughs> when we're taking off, there was a humming coming, which was a very, very distinct, and I have never heard the sound humming. And I was like, eh, that doesn't sound very good. And we're up in the air. It's like, Ooh, and I'd never heard it before. And they, it was like, I didn't need a running monologue of every bump in the sky. And they did it, and it was very disconcerting to me. Uh, but I'm also just a very nervous flyer. Um, okay, before we, before we end this, Senior Graves 01, SR Graves 01 says, I just started watching and saw your intro. I too have an awesome olfactory sense. I was born both hearing and visually impaired. I could hear and see with lots of help, but I can smell. Um, yeah, and then, and then uh, KZ Gypsy Muse says, there was a Uvalde woman mother put in jail this week for pushing officer aside. What, how is that possible? 
I don't know that she was put in jail, but I, I believe that she said she was intimidated and then subsequently harassed. Robert, we did good this week. We, we covered a lot of material. Who do we have on sidebar for Wednesday? Mike Davis, the excellent lawyer, former Gorsuch clerk, really on top of everything related to the Trump raid and all that. Really one of the top-notch uh, legal advocates out there. Fantastic. And do you have any uh, other appearances this week? It'll depend because uh, I may be in transit on Monday doing the Jones stuff. So uh, hoping to do some stuff on Sports Wars, but it'll, I'm not exactly sure what. And uh, with Richard Barris on Tuesday, what are the odds? I think I'll still be able to do that uh, and do all the stuff I'm doing in Connecticut. So just, uh, but it's a wait and see on exactly the time and date for everything. All right. And I'll be going live, you know, randomly throughout the days. Uh, what I was going to say, sorry about the echo. I'm going to have to put something where that hide a bit used to be to absorb the sound. But Robert, before we go, give us a white pill. Cause I, I know that there have been actually a couple of bona fide white pills. Give us one so we can end the weekend with a good feeling in our hearts and start a new week with a good feeling in our hearts. Oh, I think it's great that people are moving forward on the antitrust legislation, that it's at least passed the house. First antitrust new legislation has passed in a long time to finally get the ball rolling on constraining these big monopolies. So I think that's excellent uh, progress in that area. All right. And people uh, salty crackers live. So if everyone heads over there and let him know that everything is good, good. That would be fun. Robert, stick around. We'll see our proper goodbyes. Everyone in the chat, thank you as always for spending another Sunday evening with us. Fantastic, beautiful snip clip. I'll post the clips on Viva Clips. I'll post the entire stream on Viva Fry on YouTube tomorrow so people who are there can still see it and know that uh, Rumble is where the party is at these days. People, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Robert, stick around. We'll see our proper goodbyes. Peace. <laughs>